Morning. Nice to have your company. I'm in such a good mood this morning. Not last. No, it's gone. There you go. Already. That was it. Little happy, little bit of happiness, little bit of misery. And it, it started when I came in this morning and I suddenly realised as I came in, it, somebody had been sick outside the front door. So it comes as no surprise. The amount of people who, who get ill around Leicester Square just drives me completely bonkers, I'm afraid. And then I come in and it's quite nice because we have, I don't know if you've been past Leicester Square recently, but we have a new reception. And it's very, very posh. It's a spiral staircase. So by the time I get to the top, I'm feeling a bit dizzy and a bit queasy anyway. And, uh, and I only noticed this. I noticed it yesterday, but I didn't notice it properly this morning. And there's a big video wall. And I suddenly realised that they, they can flick round on the video wall to all the radio stations. And so I said, can you get LBC? Uh, and Oz went, yeah, anyway, tut, tut, tut. and then up comes LBC. And there's Christo. I said, can you get the other side? And so we had a lovely picture of the producer sitting there, you know, in sort of this sort of gargantuan size. And I realised it was life-size. And it was in the reception. And you can see everything in the studio. It covers the whole of this studio. So the whole video wall in reception was LBC. It was quite frightening. We could see you. Yes, briefly, I had it turned off. I felt a bit ill. But um, it was uh, very interesting. I didn't realise you just flick round and you can see all the studios and what's going on. So you can see Christo working. And it's on this... 12 foot by 12 foot thing. And I said, can you show the bit where I'm sitting in? So one of these cameras in here, and I've got no idea which, which one it is. Well, there's two. There's one over there, one over there, and there's probably another one hidden somewhere. And uh, it's all there so that we can be beamed into reception. Hello. You know, makes people feel better when they're sitting down there. Luckily, it doesn't come with any sound. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be a disaster. Apart from that, hope you had a good day yesterday. Hope you managed to batten down the hatches. Hope you managed to stay out of the dreadful weather. And, uh, as usual, we're never prepared for it. Not with the umbrellas, I'm afraid. We take umbrellas out, and they just blow inside out. I can't help feeling, and actually Christo said it exactly the same, and I was going to start the programme with it. All, all the papers are leading with Stephen Lawrence and the three remaining, in inverted commas, so-called suspects, one of whom is beaming all over his face, and the message is, don't smile too soon. Don't smile too soon. And yet on the front page of The Sun, we've got silly Sarah Harding, a woman for whom the word publicity is her be-all and end-all, her raison d'etre in the world. Let's get front page. I would have thought, actually, she was very badly advised on this. Tearful girls allowed singer. Now, of course, she's tearful because she's been in and out of rehab. She's not particularly stable. And all they've done is they've taken a picture of her. She's not any different to me. Except she... Love you thinking of being you for Halloween. And, um, and I'm looking at a picture, and it's her without makeup on. That's all it is, and people look different without makeup on. People really look different. I remember when I, when I first came up to London years ago, I, uh, I moved into a flat in the King's Road with, uh, with three girls, and they were all ballet students and arts educational, but they supplemented their income by go-go dancing. So it shows you how long ago it was. And they used to go to bed with their makeup on. And it, I never thought it was particularly heavy makeup. I wasn't particularly familiar with makeup at all. Until one of them took it off one day, and I barely recognised her. I barely... And she went, hi, Steve. I went, good luck. I have no idea. Because you're so used to seeing people with makeup on. So all we've got here is a picture of Sarah Harding without her hair being bleached. They, they, they've tried to make her look as plain and as dejected as possible. And uh, they say uh, she was held by her you know, bitter, bust-up-in-Innsbruck boyfriend, and uh, she had to go to the hospital, had to give her a bandit, and the whole thing is played out, as if it's some, you know, and there's a picture of her looking back, she's just about to burst into tears, but again, with no makeup on, he pinned me down, I bit him on. I mean, who cares? This is a domestic. 
It's a domestic between two non-entities, one of whom has been in and out of rehab, and the other one, we don't know who he is. And so they've had to go and ask him. He says, she hit me. I mean, I can imagine that her on a, boo- on a boozed-up night would be quite... I've seen people fighting before. It's not pleasant. People develop the strength of, of ten men. They become like Samson. I've seen the police out. I've been out with the police some nights where they've tried to pin drunks to the floor. And drunks seem to have this, this energy. So I can well imagine Sarah Harding playing, you know, this role. He's playing the other one. In the end of the day, I don't care. I just think it's a stupid, stupid non, non-story. non You want to go on holiday with your boyfriend, you have a bust up. That's your business. Don't go bleating. We don't care. We really don't care, Sarah. Nobody's interested in your silly little life. You know, grow up, be an adult, go and get a job. Go and, go and do something. I mean, you know, if, if this is serious, then you play it out in the courts. You don't play it out in the newspapers. You know, if, if this is serious and the Austrian police... Because presumably the Austrian police are deciding on this because otherwise she'd have said, I'm taking him to court, but she hasn't said that. So the Austrian police then go, if it's, if it's, if it's a dispute in a hotel and it disrupts other people, then you kick that. How many times have you been in a hotel and all you can hear is screaming and you think, oh, for God's sake, shut that child up. Shut that, just shut it up. It's like on the bus. There was a woman the other day on the bus. I'm obviously getting very short-tempered my old age, which is quite light, really. And this kid started screaming. She's on the phone. She's totally... The rest of us have to put up with this kid. You think, where is a pacifier? Like, you know, give it night nurse in the final feed. Keep it quiet. You know, give it a sleeping... T- give it anything to keep it quiet. There's nothing worse than a kid screaming at the top of its voice. Oh, it's just, just appalling. So in the, uh, in the papers today, it is the same as yesterday, except now... Uh, there are three people still at large because David Norris and Gary Dobson have gone to prison. To be honest with you, I bet they're fearing for their lives in there. I bet they are absolutely fearing for their life. They've actually uh, gone into uh, into prison and they're in there and there's going to be a lot of people. Well, there are definitely people at large who are involved with this case. They're not even allegedly. There are definitely people who are involved in this gang. So there's no allegedly about it. It was, it was more than two people in this gang. It's finding who they are and getting them into court and getting them into prison as quickly as possible. And that's what the, uh, the police's job will be. And I think what they'll do is question David Norris and Gary Dobson again, depending on whether they want to cooperate. But frankly, if they want to do anything decent in their lives, and so far they've done absolutely nothing, nothing at all... Um, then they need to say something. Might give them a little bit of peace, because in prison, they're not going to get any pr- um, peace whatsoever. They're a nasty... That's what they're in prison for, some of these these people. They're, they're in there because they're not very nice. And we've had cases before of people who've been, who've been killed in prison because, because, you know, people can get hold of all sorts of razor blades and stuff like that, and they put them into toothbrushes. We had a case only a short while ago of somebody who was killed in the prison cell, and the prison warders apparently didn't hear anything they heard nothing at all. So if I was David Norris and Gary Dobson, I'd be asking for extra security. I'd be asking, to, you know, to make sure if they were on a protected wing, because there's going to be people out to get them. Sure as God made little apples. And, uh, and the other members of the gang out there, they, they've, they've said on the front of the, of the papers today, you know, you, you will be hunted down. There'll be no place to hide. You know, they reckon there's either three or four of them out there. They will find them. At some point, somebody will talk. Somebody will say something because, you know, there are wives and girlfriends out there. Not particularly pleasant people either, I'm afraid. But then the two people who gone to prison weren't very pleasant either. Gary Dobson and David Norris quite clearly are too stupid for words. And they're now going to spend, hopefully, the rest of their life in prison, if indeed they make it to the end of the sentence. Um, 
They always say you can't pick your family, can you? There's somebody from Little Mix. I was talking to, about Little Mix earlier, because, you know, we do a special podcast now, and the special podcast is available at the end of the... It goes up really fast. It goes up really fast. In fact, actually, by the time we get to 8 o'clock, the thing is up there, so you can download, and it's free. It's absolutely free. It doesn't cost you a penny piece. There is the, the regular podcasting on LBC, which is from about £2 a month, and then there are a couple of free things. I do a free one, and I think somebody else does it. I think Nick has a free one as well, and there's a few other people. But my, my one's the... Uh, I'm sure type stories... Which, uh, which we try and weave into the programme, and, uh, and then some we hold back, because they're just, they're just too good. They're just too good. So I think on the programme today we might tell you about uh, one of the little mixes uh, girls, because she has a wayward brother, unfortunately. She has a wayward... You know, as I said before, you, can't, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. And you do get people who say, you know, my brother did this, my brother... You've only got to look at poor old Cheryl Cole's family. They're a little bit wayward. John Terry's family, including John Terry, are a bit wayward, I'm afraid. They've all got little little problems. Little problems. Uh, 84850, steve at uk or 0845-6060973. And tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. Yep. No, Celebrity Big Brother. Unfortunately, uh, it's neither big nor your brother, nor celebrities. So it's kind of a waste of time. It's Channel 5's feeble attempt at trying to pump some some interest in, and they've got a couple of people saying, oh, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to be um, spicing it up with my love life. And you think, nobody's interested. Brian Dowling, one of the world's worst presenters, is trying desperately to get some interest going in this dreary montage of non-entities. And, uh, frankly, not working for me, I'm afraid. Not working for me. But there again... As I'll tell you later on, somebody's already had to pull out of the Dancing on Ice programme. I can't begin to tell you who's gone in in place of them. It's too awful for words. And then there's David Beckham, um, looking a bit mean and moody in his pants. Now, I have to tell you, this, this picture is faked. And I'll tell you why this picture is fake. Come on, ladies, nudge the old man next to you this morning. Go on, not, not. get out, put your pants on, stand by the wardrobe. Yeah, don't look like this. Now, I'm not talking about the body. I'm talking about the way men are in their pants. That's the politest way I can put it. And that's why this picture is ridiculous. This is not what men look like. Unless David Beckham is hermaphrodite, I'm telling you, this picture is something's been done. Apart from the fact David's mean and moody look, of course, is in total contrast to the little squeaky girly voice which he has, which is so funny because you get models... And then they go, hello, everybody. And you think, oh, dear, never open your mouth. It's like models. Never let them open their mouths. And so here he is with all his naff tattoos and his shaved body. We know it's shaved because Victoria told us ages ago that he has his, his body shaved regularly. And uh, they've enhanced him to make him look a little bit more sort of mean and moody. But all he's doing is advertising H&M briefs at nine ninety nine a pair. I mean, it's a bit sad, is it? Perhaps, he's, perhaps he needs the money. I can only assume poor old Davy Boy Beckham needs the money, but I'm telling you, men in their pants don't look like this. This is just, it's very odd. Unless, as we were told by um, that young lady who he apparently had an assignation with years ago, she knew something about him that nobody else knew. And, of course, I said at the time, perhaps he's got two willies or something like that. It's the only, I couldn't think of anything else that would be so unusual for David Beckham, who ladies still go, oh, David Beckham. But this picture, I'm telling you, they've done something to it. What? I have no idea. Quarter past four is the time, and uh, we'll take a short break. This is LBC 97. Have your say with Steve Allen.
Morning. It's interesting. Lily Allen tweeted the other day. She said, oh, look, she said, 40% of girls allowed have been charged with an assault. Which kind of... Of course, girls allowed to be furious. And Cheryl Colby up in arms over this kind of thing. Because Cheryl's always tried to play down anything and sort of tried to elevate herself, but then her career went nowhere. Although now she's bringing out a lipstick, I've noticed. So she doesn't actually have to have any talent... Because her looks have taken her about as far as it can go, I'm afraid. And so she's launched that shoe range, some of which started falling apart, because they rely on the fans to spend £80 on a pair of shoes, which I think is just exploitative. Then she brought out a pair of slippers for fans, and now she's bringing out a lipstick. There's no end to the way that the, these people will exploit their fans. And I feel a, I feel a bit sad, I'm afraid, uh, on things like that. 08456060973. Uh, apparently the silicon in these breast implants we should talk about, is normally used for sealing bricks. Normally used for sealing... I no idea. No idea. And if you're doing Zumba, do let me know if it's working for you. I can't quite get to grips with Zumba. I see all the adverts on the television, uh, and I watch ladies... So it's just dancing, isn't it? Why don't you just go to a disco every night, save yourself 30 quid? You know, just go out to a disco, or, or failing that, just turn on the Bee Gees and, and dance around the sitting room. That's all it is. You know, get yourself a couple of sticks which you can go to any toy shop and buy. They've got tassels on the end or pom-poms and just go... Inside the Daily Mirror today, a broken engagement, rehab. Uh, now, Sarah Harding pictured quite appropriately with a bottle shoved down her throat. And, uh, and that's it. I mean, it's a wasted life so far, I'm afraid. You know, literally every birthday, she's the one who's been out and got caned. And they say here, what are the demons driving Sarah Harding? Uh, no, no more demons than you and I have got in us. I don't think there are any more demons. I don't think there's any more demons. I just think it's people who can't handle life. And I do love internet shopping. Christo touched on it briefly at the end of his programme. I love internet shopping. In fact, I ordered some things today and I was saying to the, uh, to the producer, Jamie, I said, I've got no idea what these things are. He said, when did you order them? And they're, they're little torches. But I ordered them. They come in blue, white, green and red. And they look like Lego bricks. And I bought them. There's no reason why I bought them. And I bought two lots. And I've got, I couldn't t- it took me ten minutes to work out how to turn the things on. I've got no idea why I bought them, so I'll end up, as usual, giving them to people. I'll start going, have, 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 a, pre- you know, have a torch, have a thing like that. And that's what I'll, I'll end up doing, I'm afraid. But the, the online shopping has been boosted because people don't want to go out and hit the high street. This is after, this is after John Lewis have, uh, have reckoned that they've had a £600 million Christmas. That'll be some nice bonuses going out in the new year to the staff, because they're, they're all on a cut of it. I worked at John Lewis, did quite well come Christmas time. So heading into the new year, this, this is good. And they reckon it's the TV boy who's boosted their profits. Do you think? I, well, I mean, I went to John Lewis the other day and I bought... What did I buy in John Lewis the other day? I bought a couple of things. Oh, actually, I'll tell you what I do. I went, to, I went to Boots the Chemist to go and buy some floss. And, but I went to buy floss, and my floss is for bridge work. So it's got a filament halfway down it, and it's made by Oral-B, and it's about £3.50. Something that, it seems a lot, but you get so many cut strands in the box. So I go, because I'd, I'd run out, and I happen to be in Kingston, so I thought, right, I'm, I'm, I must go to Boots, nip in. I don't normally do Boots. I, do, I find it a bit impersonal. And so anyway, I see this stuff, and it's £4.09, and, and I thought... I'm not spending four pounds. I'm not going to spend four pounds and nine pounds. I'm really not. I just don't think it's worth it. So I go back to John Lewis and I'd had a wander around trying to find a dressing gown. I can't find anything at all. So I'm going to next today because I looked at them online and they seem to have better dressing gowns. And I look at the floss in John Lewis and it's three pound twenty nine. 
So I think, well, that's saving. Like, you know, it's like 80 pence a packet. So I buy four, get to the checkout, three for the price of two. So I've saved a fortune. So if you're thinking of buying this uh, Oral-B cut floss in boots, don't. Go to, go to Waitrose. It's much cheaper. They do it in there. There you go. Handy hint of the morning. But do you do online shopping? Because I spend, I spend a lot, even though people are saying that the buying of CDs and DVDs is down. I'm single-handedly keeping the economy going. I'm single. Every day I have something arrived. Today it was the lights and a lovely copy, and I think in really good condition, of The Circus is Coming from Noel Stretfield. And uh, this was a book I read a long, long time ago, a long, long time ago, when I was a child. And I think it was printed about 1947, last reprinted, 1955. And it's the story, as you know, of Peter and Santa, who are orphans. And they live with their aunt, Rebecca, because their parents died. And all they really want to do is just, they just want to run away from home. Uh, You know, the kind of thing that kids do. And when you run away, where do you go? You run away and join the circus. And they discover that their uncle Gus worked as a clown in the circus. And so they run away and their sole mission is to find Uncle Gus and to join the circus. And so they do. And it's it's a great read. But I, I saw this copy and it was only about £3 something on Amazon. And I, it's arrived this morning. I think it's in really good condition. They've actually said it's it's fine. Well, it's I think it's absolutely brilliant. And I love... I love smelling books. Books smell nice. So I was quite pleased with that. That was that was one of my better buys. I've had worse, let me tell you. Oh eight four five six oh six oh nine seven three. Uh Brian Reed is talking today. He says uh, about people who are falsely accused. He talks about Michael Lavelle from Corrie. He says none of us know how it feels to be falsely accused. And he also talks about people giving up the demon drink. Now I don't know if you've given up the demon drink. But he says, around now, many men are staring into the mirror, probably precisely this moment, especially if you're sitting in the car or a lorry, uh, pasty, bloaty, bag-eyed, broken-veined, washed-out face, clutching the yard of flesh that hangs above their belt and vowing to give up drink. People think if you give up drink, it makes you more attractive. No, it doesn't. Uh, Making you more attractive is going to the gym, cutting out all the fatty foods, cutting out all the usual stuff that we like. And, And it's rather a shame. He says, uh, he says, if you offer two words to Russell Brand, because he kicked the drink habit, turned to Horlicks and bored his wife so rigid, she's thrown the ring back and gone out partying. Because he obviously gets... Because some people do that, don't they? They're actually known as part... I mean, I've, I've never been known as a party animal. I'm not, not that kind of... You know, to be honest with you, I'm just as happy to sit in the corner with a drink and a box of cheese footballs, you know, or some twiglets or something like that. I'm really not particularly fussed about parties. I find them very noisy. And couldn't cope with them at all. And and so Russell Brown thought, oh, great, I've now settled down. She's lovely. She's very successful. I'm very successful. Perhaps we'll just sit in every night. And she's going, come on. I was on the train yesterday going back. And there's a couple sitting opposite. And I deduced from their conversation that they worked in a casino. Because nobody gets on the train who's been shopping at Marks and Spencer at seven in the morning and starts eating prawns with a dip. Pasta in a bowl of pasta, which comes from Marks and Spencer's. Then he had a sandwich, and then he dived into samosas. And I'm I'm feeling quite ill because uh, this this is at seven thirty in the morning, seven thirty in the morning, and he's sitting there taking the big prawns out of the thing and dip it. And I'm thinking, oh my god, father. absolutely terrible. And so he he was doing this, and then they 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 were talking 
about uh, working in the casino and about how, you know, if this customer had done that and had won the money, they'd have been, you know, done for because the management would have got on top of them and all this kind of stuff. But then at the end, she said something which, which ties in with Russell Brand, which is, and of course, Friday and Saturday night, she said, we've got to go out. Nobody stays in on a Friday and Saturday. Like it was the kind of thing that people did. And I then thought it was an age thing. You know, when you get to people like Christo's age or my age or, you know, James O'Brien or Nick Ferrari or, or anybody actually over the age of about 25, we don't want to go out. We do not want to go out. Why would you want New Year's Eve nightmare? You don't want to go out New Year's Eve, do you? Sit in a, in a very crowded place, pretending you're having a lot of fun, slowly getting more and more drunk, then staggering out. Somebody bumps into you, somebody lifts your wallet, you know, then you get mugged and then you go home and you go, right, so that was New Year's Eve, was it? And whereas the rest of us were sitting in quite happily, a little bit of television, you know, something to eat. Just another day, as far as I'm concerned. Just another day. And then you and then you get up in the morning, no hangover. All those people knew Eve who go out, and you saw them staggering around Leicester Square. Right, we see them staggering around Leicester Square most days of the week. Um, and you think, well, obviously you're not working, because otherwise you'd be, you'd be sort of getting yourself ready for work. But they don't, they don't seem to have jobs, some of these people. They just seem... They just seem to go out and party. Whereas I can't think of anything worse. I cannot think of anything worse at all. Uh, David and uh, Vid says, hope you arrive safe and sound at LBC Towers for your new 4am start. The garden fence seems to have taken flight. He says, I don't suppose you saw it. I know. I didn't, I didn't see it on the way in. But uh, I did see loads of other things. There's trees down and there's, in one of the papers today, there's uh, one of these kiddies' uh, bouncy trampoline things which obviously took off over the house and landed on the road on top of a car. So somebody's not going to be very pleased a little bit later on today. He says, great news, you've signed a new contract. Long may you rule the airwaves. You tore up early this morning, aren't you? Good grief, honestly. I like the idea that people do, do get up that little bit earlier. We were always here. It was just, you know, I was just sitting upstairs doing knitting and stuff like that and making tapestry cushion covers and trying to make myself look interesting. And actually, the good, the good news is that as long as I don't sit upstairs, I don't eat as much. That's the theory. That's the theory. Because yesterday I was texting one of our bosses backwards and forwards and she was saying to me, so what are you having for tea? And I was saying, I'm going to have corned beef hash. And then I'd left a fruitcake here. And so people obviously dived into the fruitcake. Unfortunately, then my, my, my weak will got the better of me. Not for me, not for me, but for other people in the office. And I went to Patisserie Valerie and I've bought eight cream cakes, eight they're these strawberry roulade kind of things with the cream and the puff pastry and everything else. And then I bought some Black Forest Gatto cakes. And, and I've left them in, but I haven't even put a note on them because she knows that they're there. And she's expecting them this morning. <laughs> so she said, you're not really much, much use to anybody at the moment, are you? Because everybody's just going to sit down and eat cream cakes today. Which, what I don't do. I mean, I, if, if, I, if I'd wanted to, I'd have opened the box last night and taken one out. But I, I really couldn't. Not having, you know, my... Uh, because otherwise I'd be weak. So instead, I've had three mini bounties. I mean, I'm a fool to myself. I probably should have had the cream cake. 0845 973 So if you've suffered in the wind this morning, do let me know. Uh, Matt is, uh, is with Facebook, the group there. He says, I've got an appointment with the bank later to open a new account. 18-year-old but no passport or driving licence. It's like I don't exist in the world. It's like... I'll tell you what it's like, Matt. It's like going to America and trying to rent a car. If you don't have a credit card, they won't rent you a car. Because you might turn up and you'd say, well, I've got cash. They're not remotely interested. The only thing that actually tells them in America or anywhere else 
now about you is a credit card because that's got your history. You know, Stephen Bridlington says, Happy New Year. Thank you very much indeed. And to you as well. He says, I was wondering, our prisons are full of rapists and murderers. So what have Norris and Dobson got to be fearful of? Yes. I th- to be honest with you, I think for their own protection, they will be looked after specially. Whereas, you know, I'm kind of thinking the, uh, the caring side of me. Why not just leave them to it? Just leave them to it. What do the stars hold for you and your family? Absolutely nothing, ladies and gentlemen. Biggest pile of rubbish you've ever read and more Russell Grant 2012 predictions, you know, where they talk about a new challenge in your life. It's a new year. It's always going to be new challenges. I've told you yesterday, this year you will lose some money, you'll make some money, you'll have a job, you'll not have a job. You'll put on weight, you'll lose a bit of weight. You'll fall in love, you'll fall out of love. OK, we've now sorted out your star signs. Don't waste any more time. LBC 97.3, the time now, 4.30. Morning, 0845 The thing is about John Lewis... Uh, people, I mean, I don't know what, what the answer is, why people go to John Lewis and why um, the, the profits are at £600 million they've taken, which is phenomenal. Goes to prove, as Christo said earlier, and I've been saying for ages, recession? What recession? People are spending a fortune. And it can't be all on necessity, can it? Because I've seen people in every department, whether they're buying, I mean, I bought myself a saucepan in there the other day. It was only 15 quid, I know, but I mean, it was a start. But then somebody wrote in, to Joanna, talking about John Lewis's policy of never knowingly undersold. Now, I used to work for the partnership uh, many, many years ago in Reading, in Helis. And you're quite right. Their policy is never knowingly undersold, which means that as long as you can prove the printer you want is for sale at a lower price elsewhere, they will reduce their price accordingly. However, and this has always been my bugbear, they are knowingly undersold. And I'll tell you exactly how they are knowingly undersold. If, for example, I, uh, I, I, I go into John Lewis, all right, and I go in there and I see a television. Uh, the television is at £400, and I say to them, OK, um, well, I've seen it at £300 around the corner. They charge me 400 They will then investigate, and they will reduce their price to me to £300. They don't keep the television at £300. It goes back up to 400 So if Jamie or, or Kat go out there to buy it, that television will still have £400 written on it. And if they aren't aware of the fact that you can buy it for 300 elsewhere, they're not going to tell you. So they are knowingly undersold. They'll only do it for each individual person. I thought, originally, the system was that if I'd seen it for 300 they bring their price down for 300 and it stays at... No, no, no. It's back up to 400 They'll only do it for individuals, provided you can prove. And I don't think, in the case of the printer that Christo's seen online, that they match online prices. And the reason they don't do online prices is because the online retailers don't have the overheads that the retailers on the high street have got. That, that was always the excuse that I'd heard from them. So you either choose to go there or, unless it's a, an online retailer... I mean, I, I would buy stuff from Amazon because I would think, although we've had a disaster with a couple of... Uh, couple of computer games which I bought for Christmas because Nathan got his computer I can't tell you which one it was because I've no idea it involves war and something like that he got it it's got a fault on the disc so I said all right I'll order you another one so I order another one and he'll have to give me the first one back and we'll send it back second one's got exactly the same fault on it so that's two now that have got to go back to Amazon but they'll be very good about it I know 
because we've done them on the programme before, and, and they will refund me the difference and I'll go and buy it somewhere else because they might have a, have a faulty batch. But on the subject of, of online shopping, you have to see the goods. A lot of people have pointed out to me that the, the disadvantage uh, with actually shopping online is you can't see what stuff looks like. And you have to be able to touch it, don't you? So, in other words, if you're buying, you know, I suppose, jewellery, you want to see what it looks like properly. Because sometimes things, you know, you can photograph them and make them look a little bit better. But if you're buying clothing, you really, you need to touch it, don't you? I've seen lovely pictures in, in magazines of clothing. And then it arrives, you think, oh, it's really naff. I know it's, it looks like, the, th- but it's not quite what you thought it was. So that's why, if you internet shop... You can't actually touch the thing or, or do anything else. Unless, of course, you, you're one of, But if you are an internet shopper, I'd love to hear from you. Love to hear from you this morning. There was another story as well, which I'm, I, must, I must find a little bit later on. It's very interesting. It's about the war years. And, uh, and the reason I, I found it, because it was talking about what people uh, during the war um, had to look, look out for. And, and what people made do with. And, and all the things. They said that nowadays people have never had it so good, really. This is World War II numbers from the biggest battles to the movie stars. There's a book of lists offering a fascinating insight into uh, the Second World War. Um, there were loads of celebrities who went into to battle, uh, including Kirk Douglas, Douglas Fairbanks Jr., Henry Fonda, Lee Marvin, Ernest Borgnine, Charles Bronson. Uh, also, the biggest guns... Two of the massive uh, German guns developed in the late 30s. Actually, there was something. I was sitting in the car coming in, and I was thinking about uh, Nick Majerison. I don't know why I was thinking about Nick Majerison, but he was, he was talking a few weeks ago about UFOs. He has a fascination with UFOs. And there are certain people out there, people not quite really in the real world, people who maybe drink, uh, people who don't have a life, who believe in the fact that there are little green men on other planets. And they worry about them. And the argument was, oh, that's right, it was a dream. In my dream, I was talking to somebody. And that's right, I didn't remember that. Actually, Nick Majerison came into a dream. God, I never, I'm surprised I woke up sweating. But anyway, so, and I was, I was sort of thinking about little green men on other planets. And somebody had phoned up, allegedly, in this, in this dream I was having, to say uh, the government have done a cover-up. And I started arguing with them about, uh, well, why would the government want to, want to cover this up? And they get, well, well to stop the country panicking. And you go, well, why would the country panic over little green men? They'd be invited onto every chat show in the country. Little green men land in the middle of Trafalgar Square or Leicester Square. They'd be in this building so fast, their little green legs, webbed or otherwise, would not touch the floor. We'd want to talk to them. And, and they say, well, that, that's why it's all been a big cover-up. Roswell and all this kind of thing. And, 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 they've got the, and I'm thinking, what a load of old rubbish. Because I'd be far more fearful about Pakistan having nuclear weapons that could blow us out the water than little green men coming down and waving at us. Because if they're that daft to come down here and think that we're better off than they are, they're even more stupid than we think they are in the first place. Because if they've got the technology, and people then go, but of course, out there in space, out there, it goes forever, and there could be all sorts of things. You could, well, of course there might be. That's what they say on Star, is it Star Trek? Space. The final frontier. These are the, and so you, you go out there. And I've often wondered, what, how far can you keep going? It's this stupid question. It, it worries me. And, 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 and nobody's ever come up with an answer. I've, I've looked at all the, the general stuff. And they, they've got space and they go, and this is 300 light years away or 300 million light years away. And, this, and I'm thinking, but what, how far does it go? Does it, does it just go and go and go and go and, and forever and a day? Or is there an end to it? Is, is there some, are we in some sort of vortex and there's some huge bloke at the other end going, they're never going to make it to the end, you know. I don't know how far it goes out. 
you know, do we keep going past stars? And is it, is it like Star Trek, or have they just guessed it? I love the smell of books too, says Sharon. I get a lot of mine from Amazon, but I buy a lot of books from charity shops. Maybe, she says, David Beckham's got a pair of rolled-up socks in his pants. Now, I've tried that one. If it was rolled-up socks, it would, I know it would look like rolled-up socks. It just doesn't look right. It doesn't look right. I can't tell you why, but other men will look at it and you'll go, it's, it just doesn't look right. And I'd have to be a little bit rude to, expl- <laughs> to explain to you why it's not right. Paul Rimwalton on Thames says, I love listening to you. You're so amusing. I'm not sure, actually, if, that, if that's a compliment or not. You're so amusing. I think, yes, well, there you go. Uh, Mag in Islington says, it's nice to hear you at four in the morning. Thank you very much indeed. And somebody says, I've just finished my night bus. Off home to bed with a nice apple turnover. Oh, God, the worst thing you can eat before you go to bed. Apple turnover. Could nip in here and have some of our lovely cakes. Got some lovely cakes, you know. Who were the soldiers' pin-ups in World War Two? These were the ladies who were the pin-ups. The Andrews sisters who sang Boogie Woogie, Bugle Boy from Company B. Betty Grable, who was the number one pin-up for the American GIs. Jane Russell, star of The Outlaw. I think it's because she had sort of a, an ample bosom. And she had a neckerchief tied on. I'd love to have seen what she looked like without, without makeup. <laughs> Interesting. I said, well, nearly snorted. How funny there. Good Lord. A bit like Sarah Harding. Anyway, Lana Turner. She had a, a B-17 Flying Fortress bomber named after Anne Sheridan. Reci- I don't know who Anne Sheridan is. Should I know who Anne Sheridan is? She had 250 marriage proposals a week. Who the dickens is Anne Sheridan? Somebody will have to tell me on 0845 Um Vera Lynn, of course, Forces Sweetheart, still alive, still going strong. Gracie Fields, Sally, Sally. Betty Driver, of course, best known as being Betty Turpin in Coronation Street. And apparently Edith Piaf was a bit of a pin-up. Uh, I was never sure, actually, why she would have been a... A pin-up. They say she was, of course, a traitor for singing to occupied German forces in France, later claimed to have been working for the French resistance. It's a fascinating book, isn't it? Oh, I'm looking at a picture of Anne Sheridan. 250 marriage proposals a week. Good Lord. That's one of those typical pictures. I think my mum's got pictures like that. I think my mum has got pictures like that. But uh, I'm still none the wiser on, is she British? Is she American? Sally, who is she? Hello. Hello, who is she? Hello, Street. How wonderful to speak to you. Thank you, darling. Who's Anne um, Sheridan? Anne Sheridan, English actress. Right. Very pretty. She was in um, uh, Genevieve, the blonde one. In Genevieve? Yeah, Kay Kendall was the other female lead, and oh. uh, she, she was the blonde one with Kenneth Moore. Oh, my God. Well, I'm looking at picture. Was she really? Yeah, she was um, partly was she... Russian uh, origin, and her daughter was Jenny... Um, somebody, she was quite famous, and she was, used to be on a lot of game shows. Oh, right. I'm looking at the, these pictures. She was she was quite a glamorous pin-up, wasn't she? Yeah, she was, yes. But I wouldn't have said that she was one of the more famous British... Uh, no. Uh, Diana Dawes, as you say, was very... Was she pop- the one in, in Genevieve who was sort of quite hoity-toity? Yeah, yes, if you like, yes. Yeah, she was the one who sat there and she had the dog and all the rest of it. That's it. With, oh. with, she was teamed up with Kenneth Moore. That, I loved Kenneth Moore. Uh, yeah, and Kay Kendall, wasn't she glamorous? Yes. And sadly, she she was married to uh, Rex Harrison. Yes, yes. And formerly married to um, Lily Palmer. Who's Lily Palmer? Lily Palmer. How could you forget Lily Palmer? She was um, she was in a, a lot of films. Very, uh, now she was really very beautiful. Oh, wow. um, one of the films she was in was a film called Conspiracy of Hearts, 
But she played Mother Superior in that. I wish people had stopped telling me about these films, because now I'll have to go and buy it. film, uh, Steve, if you try and get it, with David Kossoff in it. Oh, I love David Kossoff. Uh, he was in, he was, and he was in the bespoke overcoat. Oh, of course, yes. Uh, um, that won the Venice Film Awards with Alfie Bass. Do you know, have you, have you ever seen I Was Monty's Double? Yes, yes, long time ago, yeah. Do you yeah. know, I loved that film. I, I was yeah. never sure if it was true or if it was just made up for oh, the, the, the And film. there was a film called The Divided Heart. Did you ever see that? No. Oh, wonderful. Some wonderful films about children there were. Oh. Uh, one was, um, oh, that was about a child who was adopted by a German couple during the war. And while his mother, who'd survived the camps, um, supposed to be a Yugoslav woman, mm. and that was played by Yvonne Mitchell. Oh, wow. Do you remember Yvonne Mitchell, the woman in the dressing gown? Yes, yes. Uh, Vaguely. She, yeah, she had one beautiful voice, speaking voice, but she was the real mother searching for this child. Oh, and well, when she finds him, of course, he doesn't believe that it's his real mother. Uh, it, all heart-searching uh, films. If I may say, another film was um, No Place for Jennifer. Janet Scott saw her Yes, daughter. Jeanette Scott. Yes, I remember. I remember, yes. Uh, that was a divorced couple who... Kept moving a child from one parent to other. Also, another film, Mandy Miller. Yes, Mandy Miller uh, had the uh, the hit Nelly the Elephant. I don't know that film. But, uh, no, there, there was a song, Nelly the Elephant. But oh, Mandy really? Miller starred in the film Mandy, didn't she? Where she was the yes. she was a deaf girl. That's right. And yeah. her father was a film producer. Yes, yes, I remember. And then yes. I also watched. What did I watch the other day? What was the film about the young boy who was accused of stealing something? And oh, it was didn't a, see that. It was a marvellous film. He'd, he'd, he'd accused of stealing stamps, and it went to the High Court, and it was uh, it was it was a big sort of scandal. I mean, it was only a made-up film. Marvellous these cool movies, Steve. Shop at Sly Corner. Do you remember that? Oh yes, absolutely. Yes. What do you remember of it? Is it Oscar Homolka in it? I, you know, I can't remember a Russian different actor. names. Put this way, somebody this morning, Sally, is bound to know. Thank you for that. Though. At least you've, you should have kicked it off because somebody will now tell me. A lot of people thinking that you that you've you've got confused with uh, with the Sheridan woman. So Anne Sheridan's the pinup. We think it was it was another one. So what we'll do? I'll, I'll take a short break and we'll come back to some more of your. I'm getting confused myself now. What was that film as well with the kid who is accused of stealing stamps? And the man who who defends him, I think, is is Robert Donat, who starred in oh God, what was that stupid film? Which was lovely. It wasn't Tom Brown's School Days, was it? Something similar. And and that was another lovely, lovely film with all these all these great people in it. I can't remember the title of it. I'm having a sit. You know, if this had been about three hours later this morning, I'd have remembered all this stuff. You might have to help me out a little bit. But uh, it's quarter to five. LBC. Morning, 13 minutes to five. We're all over the place with our Sheridans today. Is it Anne Sheridan, who was in Genevieve, or is it somebody else, Teresa? Yes, hello, Steve. Hello. It's somebody it, else. It's Dinah Sheridan, the Dinah. British actress who was in Genevieve. Right. And I think the snooty one there was Kay Kendall in the same film, Kenneth Moore and John Gregson. Now, Anne Sheridan, she was an American Hollywood a- actress. Right. Quite glamorous. Now, I have seen her in some films, Steve, but for the life of me, I can't recall any titles and I can't describe the film so that you might um, recognise it. Um, I mean, you know, she was popular in the sort of, oh, yeah, 40s and 50s, I think, right. and, and Sheridan. 
but definitely not the same. Definitely uh, not the same one. No, the diner, diner Sheridan in Genevieve. And I, I think, did your caller say she was married to Jimmy Hanley, and they had that pretty daughter, Jenny Hanley? Yes. Did, Jerry, did Jenny do one of the children's Blue Peter or something? No, she did Magpie. Ah, yes, that's right. She did Magpie. Yes. I, I remember that because it was filmed down the road from me. They used to do that at Teddington Studios. And I used, to, I used to love Magpie, actually. But the, the other person who also turned up in, in Genevieve as the hotel proprietress was the lovely Joyce Grenfell. Oh, yes, of course. Joyce Grenfell, who could turn any film into a joke. Absolutely. She was lovely. Absolutely lovely. We don't have people... Isn't it funny? We don't have people like that. Now, I was watching... I said yesterday, I was watching uh, the Danny LaRue film, Armist Fred. Yes. And I was trying to find out where it was filmed, because it, it looks very nice wherever it is. It's got a little a little pier with a little theatre on it. And it was just... It was so interesting to see a British film of that period. And it was just nice. It was a little bit naughty, a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But it, it, it was just... It was so well made. Yes, yes. We had some good movies, I think. Well, we absolutely did, Steve. Well, I mean, Steve, I'm, I'm older than you. It's not possible. <laughs> Nobody's older than me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we certainly did. But then you see, when you say that today, they'll say, oh, well, you're just sort of remembering everything, your good old days. No, it's not that. It's not it's, that at all. I personally think there was a lot more genuine talent around. Mm. And we went to the cinema to watch things. That's it. So everything was up there on the big screen. So you went in and you would stand in front and you'd, and, and because cinemas then weren't multi-screens, you, absolutely, would, yeah. you would stand in front of it and you'd look at stills from the picture and think... We're going to see this one tonight. You'd go inside and it'd be a vast auditorium. Mm-hmm. And there'd just be you at the back, <laughs> on the smoking side. And another thing, Steve, you know what we used to do in those days as well? I remember when I was a teenager, um, you didn't look out and see, oh, when does the, when does the film start? You know, when should we be there? Mm. You'd walk in and you'd walk in in the middle of the yes, film. Yes, yes. And you'd sit and wait round until this is where we came in. That's right, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, because it, it, was, it just kept going, didn't it? That's and in it, between, yes. you'd have Pathé News. That's it. Do you know, I tell you, the funny you're, you're quite right. People say, oh, of course, you know, that was the olden days. It was, But it wasn't really. No. It was, it was just a time that we were, which wasn't that long ago. No, absolutely. It really wasn't that long ago. And I know that, that people sort of say, oh, this, and, I'm, and I'm now doing what other people used to do to me. My mum and dad would sit there and say, oh, it was so much better than we used to do this. And it, it, it was a better time, I'm sure. Yes. We didn't have newspaper headlines of people being murdered and this, and, and we've just, it's just moved into an area where it, it just makes me worry for certain people who are probably terrified to go out at night. Yes, absolutely, Steve. Well, the thing is, if there was a headline, uh, it really was a headline of someone being murdered. Mm. I mean, nowadays, you, you, sometimes it's sort of tucked in the second page or yes. something like that, but, you know, because... Because it was so unusual, it seemed to me, you know, a good few years ago. Isn't it funny? It, it doesn't mean anything now. It, no, no, it, no. It, it, because if you don't know the person concerned, you, you just read it as a headline. Somebody was stabbed to death today. Somebody was hit by... You, you don't... Because you don't know the people, it doesn't have the same impact. Mm. Mm. And, I, and we, perhaps we seem to have lost that. I mean, I sometimes sit there looking at the news on the television thinking... Oh, God, it's all gone down the, the, the U-bend on this one. Absolutely. It's, it must be quite depressing for people, apart from the fact that prices are going through the roof. Nobody's pleasant to anybody. I mean, occasionally, you know, when you do meet somebody who's actually nice to you, you're so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you tend to be nice, but you go, oh, hello. 
Yeah, Can't help it. It's always. And it's... then you come on and you cheer us all up. Well, you know, first thing, let's face it. What else would you be doing at this time of the morning? Yeah, of course. Well. You know, you're not going to be knitting or doing paint. Well, I don't know. You might be painting at this time <laughs> of the morning. But it is true. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder just, you know, how early we, we, we can actually get get people up. But Teresa, thank you for that. So it's thank you, Steve. it's thank uh, you. it's Anne Sheridan, who's a Hollywood actress, and it's Diane Sheridan, Dinah Sheridan who was in Genevieve. The book, incidentally, Catherine, is called World War II Book of Lists by Chris Martin. Um, you can probably... Fa- well, it's twelve ninety nine here, but I have a sneaking feeling that you'll probably go to Amazon and you'll find it cheaper. So it's World War II Book of Lists. And it's got all sorts of things. You know, children... It, it, for example, just quickly before we go to David, it's got children who went to war. The minimum age for service, as you know, in the British Army was 18, but 17 in America. But some people lied. And there was uh, a lad called Reginald Earnshaw. He joined the Merchant Navy, claiming he was 15, which was the minimum age to join the Navy. He was, in fact, just 14. And he was killed uh, by uh, a German aircraft attack in 1941. Calvin Graham joined the American Navy at the age of 12. He was wounded uh, in battle. Uh, In the same year, John Lucas, in 1942, he enlisted in the US Marines, giving his age as 17. He was, in fact... 14, 14 years old, but he wanted to go in and he also got Medal of Honour doing the two Jima campaign. And James Clark told the US Draft Board he was 18. He became a paratrooper at 13 until they discovered his age. They went, you're not jumping out of any more planes, Sonny. But it uh, just goes to prove that, you, I mean, you do get kids, don't you, who look very much older. And they wanted to make their mark. So at 13, he actually uh, was sort of dismissed from the, the US uh, board, and then he reached Berlin in 47. He re-enlisted in the army at, at 17. David, sorry to make you wait. I was yes, um, off and rolling. Good to speak to you again, Steve. Thank you, David. So the um, film is... Yes, the, um, the film that you were talking about, about a, um, was about a stolen postal order. That's right. And it's A Winslow Boy oh, by Terence Rattigan. It is The Winslow Boy. It's, it's not based on a true story, is it, David? Yes, it is. Oh, it is? Yes. Oh, right. And it was Robert Donut, was it? I think so, yeah. Who, who, who played the barrister. Yeah. Who we thought was going to be romantically involved with the lady of the house, but it was not to be. And he really sort of quizzed the boy, virtually accusing him of lying and everything. Isn't it funny how and people used said, to stand? No, no, sir, I'm not lying, I'm not lying, I's. I'm not lying. Yes. It's OK, boy, you know, I'm convinced this is a case I'm going to take. Mind you, he was a barrister, so, you know, I mean... <laughs> but, but also, the family, I don't think, had that much money. So I think he actually agreed to do it, but not his usual fee. Yeah. Interesting story, though, wasn't it? In those days, I mean, it actually got as far as the High Court with barristers for stealing a postal order. Yeah. Because he was at some kind of naval college. Yes, he was, yes. He was at naval college. But it's, it's very interesting in the fact that people used to stand in front of their parents and their parents would say, have you told me a lie? And you would say, no, I can, I can remember myself, and you must remember as well, when your parents quizzed you about something, and you would, you would tell the truth, because if you, if you told a fib, they would know. Yes, absolutely. Interesting. David, thank you so much for that. At least we're the Winslow boy. If you haven't seen it, get it out, because it's good. And Robert Donut... What was the other... I should have asked, David. What was the other Robert Donut film... That was... The, the, the closing line is, he's, he's a headmaster in a, in a school. Well, he's not, actually. He's, he's a master. He's a bit bumbling. And the music, I mean, just really gets me going. Anyway, he, he marries this, this lovely woman, and she gets killed in an air raid attack. But the boys don't know. It's a, it's a really, really good film. I'm blowed if I can think what it's called at the moment. It'll come to me in a, in a moment. So, uh, we're talking about that. 
if you can help me out. It's, it's lovely having senior moments, because at least I know I've got you lot to fall back on. Thank you very much indeed. Internet shopping, whether, you, whether you're actually going out onto the high street with your pound, shillings and pence... I don't mind doing pre-decimal. doesn't bother me. There's a new 50 pence piece out as well, telling about the offside rules for football. Who cares? Who cares? I mean, the most boring game in the world. It's like when I was talking to um, uh, Christo's producer overnight, he was going about Girls Aloud. I mean, practically salivating about Girls Aloud. It was all a little bit dis- distressing, as far as I was concerned. And I said, but they've not had a hit Girls Aloud for years. You know, they're not going to tour again because they've all got their egos and Sarah Harding, I don't think, could manage it at all. And she's on the front page of The Sun this morning. So later on, we'll, we'll, we'll delve into that when we do our special podcast. Thank you for downloading it, incidentally. It doesn't cost you a penny piece. I give it to you free. Well, I don't. The company give it to you free, which is very nice of them. And uh, it's a case of what we have is we have the normal programme, uh, this one, which starts at four, finishes at 6.30. Uh, because Susan Bookbinder comes along with the uh, with the news programme from six thirty to seven, and then Nick and the team are with you, and then and then we have this this little podcast, this fifteen twenty minute programme, which is some of the stories from the newspapers that we didn't have a chance to get round to. It's the it's the tongue in cheek stuff, but it doesn't cost a penny to download. It's free. It's not part of the normal podcasting. It's it's separate. I've never been free before. Well, actually, I tell a lie. I have been free. I've suddenly remembered I have been free when they first started doing the podcasting years ago, and nobody knew it would take off. A little bit like texts and things like that. I remember um, Clive Ball saying to me years ago when we were in another building and he said about texts, he said, he said, do you read your texts out? I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I sat there in total ignorance about texts. And he said, but he said, but you, 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 you've got some text to read. I said, well, how many? He said, I think it's about a thousand. I said, a thousand texts? Where are they? And he then showed us on the internet where all the texts were. And, and I went... Oh, my goodness me. And then, because we didn't do phone-in overnight on, on LBC at that time, we did texts and we had badges. And there's probably people listening who've, who've collected these badges. We haven't had them for a long time. Really nice, made by, made by John. And people wrote in and recommended things. And, and then they started popping up on eBay and stuff like that. And I did find about ten at home the other day. And I thought, I must keep these. Because I never kept anything. I should have kept those. I kept little LBC radios and stuff like that, and pens and uh, other sort of memorabilia, but I never kept many of the badges, which was a shame. So we had all these texts coming in, and we started doing texts, and I became the text king of LBC because so many people had never discovered... In fact, people were sending them in without realising we didn't, we didn't know where they were. So I was, I was quite happy when we finally discovered them, and we still have them as well. So it's 84850, steve at uk. And what else is it? Oh eight four five six oh six oh nine seven three. So it's it's films. It's this great book that's come out looking at lists of World War Two book of lists by Chris Martin. And you can probably find it on Amazon. We talk about internet shopping as well. And somebody must be going out to John Lewis if they've if they've got record um, sales, six hundred million pounds. And it was only a short while ago, wasn't it, with um, with sort of people doing the. Uh, doing the, uh, the, th- the things telling us about how, how dire it was out there in, in the recession world. And you think, well, obviously people aren't spending any money. They blooming well are. They really are. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. You're very welcome. Morning. Four minutes past five, is it? No, three and a half minutes past five. No, two and a half minutes. No, it's three minutes past five. Just in case you get a bit panicky waking up this morning. You're standing in the shower thinking... I could stand here all day. You know, some mornings when the alarm goes off and you think, I'll just... Because this morning, a car alarm was going off and it went on and on and on and on. And in the end, I thought, this is just driving me mad. So I had to get out of bed. 
and sort of went and sat in front of the television, and then I took an alarm clock and sort of dozed off a little bit there. But as you only had an hour to go, it's kind of a bit touch and go as to whether you're going to wake up or not. And the alarm goes off, and you, you, you half open an eye, don't you? And you look at it, and you think, I wish you'd shut up, because you're driving me mad. I did get, um, um, I've had a couple of late... Late Christmas cards, one from Jocelyn from Pimlico, who found a religious card, so I'm very, very grateful for that, and one from Betty as well, so thank you very much indeed. It's nice to get... I don't mind if they're late. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. 84850, uk. This great book, uh, which is World War Two, the book of lists by Chris Martin, uh, and they were talking about the pin-ups and also the evacuation. Uh, you know, each child was issued with a gas mask, food for the journey, a packed lunch for sandwiches, apples and chocolate and a bag for clothes. My mum was evacuated to... I can't remember. We went, we went through it a short while ago. She remembers being evacuated during the war. Many, many children had a very bad experience being evacuated. They went to uh, families. Many of the girls who had to go and work on farms had very bad experiences and were exploited. Uh, some children had war grave. My mother went to Wargrave, because we drove through it once, very pretty, by the Thames, and she was evacuated down there. And kids were just packed off. All the London railway stations, kids standing there with their gas... You were probably one of them. You were probably one of them. You probably had a very good experience, or some of you probably had very bad experiences during your evacuation. But uh, everybody went down. I think some three and a half million people were evacuated as part of the Operation Pied Piper. Uh, Children of course, were, the, were the, the highest profile. But mothers went as well, and uh, 7,000 disabled people and 103,000 teachers. 13,000 women were pregnant. So uh, those were all the, the evacuees. And you went out, and the idea was it, was it was a lot safer for you out of the city. Unfortunately, when, of course, people came back, they thought they were coming back to their houses, and their houses have, uh, have actually gone. And so we rebuilt. And in fact, it was the docks, wasn't it, that was that was most affected in, in London. 0845 973 And we've got the film War Horse coming out very shortly. And do you know that eight million horses were killed in the First World War? Eight million horses. Probably roughly that amount were killed in the Hollywood film industry. Every time I watch a Hollywood film, which is to do with uh, cowboys and Indians, and they used to... They used to use these trip wires to bring the horses down. So when they, they had the, the, the shot, it would go like that. But the, the rider of the horse, it had a, a wire coming up from its leg and they would pull on that wire and the horse would trip. And the rider, had to be trick riders, had to throw themselves to one side, otherwise the horse was going to crush you. So we lost eight million in the First World War, but they were not such a key element in the Second World War. But when War Horse comes out, if you've not seen the stage play... I mean, you really should. I mean, everybody cries in it because the puppetry is just so brilliant. And when you say puppetry, it's it's puppetry the like of which you've never seen before. It's got, I think, with each horse, three men and they're life size horses, life size horses. And it's just it's absolutely brilliant, brilliant. Uh, lots of people calling in and texting with the answer to the film I was talking about, because I couldn't remember the name of this film with Robert Donut sat in a set in a school. But uh, Yvonne. Knows Hello. the answer. Hello, Treasure. You know Hello. the answer, don't you? Uh, goodbye, Mr. Chip. It is. Thank you. Goodbye, Mr. Chip. And I Mr. think they, they, they did remake with uh, Petula Clark. They and, did. Uh, and Peter O'Toole, was Yes, it? they did. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I was talking about it because in the original, and I think that, and th- and they filmed at a real school. Oh. They f- and the, the woman was Greer Garson. That's right. That was the first one. Oh, I she was loved lovely. it. She was lovely, wasn't she? Yeah. She you was, see Mrs. Miniver. I was just going to say Mrs. And the other person that I loved deeply was Kathleen Harrison. Oh, 
Oh, I loved her, yeah. Catherine, the Huggets. Oh, the Huggets. Yeah. And I think she and was... Anne Sheridan. Interrupting, sorry. Oh, yeah. Anne Sheridan was in a film with Ronald Reagan. Oh, was Before she? he was president. Oh, yeah, it's... called King's Row. Oh, right. And that was wonderful. He was her boyfriend, and the father hated him. Her father hated him, and he was a doctor. And when Ronald Reagan was involved in an accident, he had both of his... And um, his legs amputated. Oh, grief. <laughs> it was awful. Dear me. Just because he didn't want him to go out with his daughter. Oh, that dear. was so sad. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> you have to watch King's Row. It's a lovely film, though. I'm not sure I want to see uh, it now. <laughs> oh, well, you know his legs are real. <laughs> I know, I know. But the trouble is that when, when you watch these films and when you think that, that people sat in, in the picture houses watching them because they were made for the big screen, they weren't made for your television. I went three times a week. My mother used to take me three times a week to the cinema. There were three different circuits, I think, Gaumont, Odeon, and another one. Yeah. And it spoiled my love life because yes. all the film stars, I used to think I was going to marry a film star, and no man ever come, came up to any of those. No, you're right. <laughs> it really spoiled me. And everybody looked so glamorous. I remember they used to have oh, these special days at, uh, yeah. out at the Rank Studios, and all the Rank starlets would be there. Yeah. Ooh, I wanted to smoke because they looked so good when they smoked, and... I, I just used to choke. Everybody laughed when I tried to smoke. Smoking was in every British film. It was very glamorous. I know it was. It was t- I mean, I'd love anyway, to know the brand. For cheering this up. That's all right. Yeah. Yvonne, thank you for that very much indeed. So it was goodbye, Mr Chips. The music is great. It was by Richard Adensell, the music. And I only know is because when I bought the film, and I hadn't seen it with Robert Donut in it, and he plays this, this uh, schoolmaster. He's very studious. And it's obviously like a prep school, like a public school. And, and it, it's really lovely. In fact, they have got one, one kid in it who plays three... He plays four parts. He plays his brother all the way through it. And he died. He died some years ago because you, you go onto IMDb and you check these films out and you check out the people in them and you see what, they, what, the, what they're doing now just in case they're, they're still around and, and doing stuff. But when I watched it, first of all, the music was the thing that got me going. Absolutely got me going. And so I went out and ordered Richard Adensell's album, which has got the Goodbye Mr Chips. It's got the opening music, the closing music. But halfway through, because all the boys in the, in the prep school, the one thing they're all missing because they're all boarders is their mums. So when Miss, Mr Chips, known as Chipping, uh, gets married to Greer Garson, of course all the boys are like, wow, it's like there's a lady here and they can go and chat. And so she used to do tea for them. And every, all the other masters were terribly jealous because Chipping was a very ordinary man, but Greer Garson was very glamorous and fitted in beautifully. And then she was killed in an air raid, but the boys didn't know. They didn't know. And so they all sat there and it was Valentine's Day and they'd written him Valentine's notes, but they were all blank. And they'd done it as a joke. And so they'd stuck them in his desk and he sort of came in having just heard the news. And so they're all laughing at him and pointing. And he opens up all these letters and, and they go, oh, there's another, another letter for you there, sir. And he opens the letter and, of course, it's blank. And, and he doesn't understand. And then one of the boys comes in and says to the boys, Mrs Chipping's been killed. And, of course, immediately, you know, the whole thing. And they all apologise to him. It's very terribly sad. It's a very, very sad film, but really beautifully done. And the music's great, and it's, and it's lovely. And they did do the remake with Petula Clark and Peter O'Toole. I remember it vividly. It wasn't quite as good, but it, it was the same sort... It was exactly, exactly the same story. It was, it was really lovely. So this, this book, World War II in Numbers, gives you an insight. For example, uh, when the British troops... The, this, this is what the British troops got just before D-Day. A tin of Spam... Small wonder people came to hate Spam. A packet of biscuits plain, packet of biscuits sweet, 
a pack of instant oatmeal, two packets of meat broth... Could have been anything nowadays. It sounds a little bit dehydrated. One block of vitamin-fortified chocolate. Ugh. A sachet of boiled sweets. Two tea blocks. And a tea block was combined tea, milk and sugar. It was all in that in that one thing. A packet of matches, because you had to do that. That's why it's unlucky. You know when you do three strikes and people go, it's unlucky? It was because years ago in the trenches, you lit the first match and the troops go... There's somebody over there. They could see the light. <sighs> she blew it out quickly. The second time, they took aim. And the third time they saw the match, they fired. So that's why a lot of boys... So that's why they said three strikes and uh, very, very unlucky. You got two packets of chewing gum, a packet of sugar tablets and an instruction and a menu sheet. Oh, and you also got... The good news is you've got a pack of toilet paper. Kind of the last thing you're going to be worried about, isn't it, really? I, I should imagine. Uh, front of the uh, mirror this morning... They've got uh, Demi Moore, who's telling you why she's not worthy in love. I might put her into my special podcast this morning, because I sort of quite like Demi Moore. I quite I liked her in the film Ghost, even though I thought it was a bit ridiculous and a bit far-fetched. Uh, and I quite liked that, because it had Patrick Swayze in it. I thought he was actually quite good, and a few other people. And then Ashton Kutcher cheated on her, and I thought that was a bit, you know, a bit rank. Uh, it's also got the picture of... Um, uh, on the front page of Luke Knight, Jamie Accourt and his brother Neil, uh, and also the quote from the Met Chief, Bernard Hogan Howe, warning they should not rest easy in bed. This, of course, was uh, after David Norris and Gary Dobson were jailed, and they've revealed that new information has come to light. Uh, the, uh, the Lawrence family, Doreen, has opened her cherished photo family album, and so they've done that in the mail today. And there's lots of pictures of Stephen that you've never seen before when he was very young. And also they've had to put a police guard on his memorial to stop it being vandalised the other day. I mean, who in their right mind? Unless you've got the brain of a peanut. Who seriously would want to go round, you know, to Wellhall Road in Eltham and vandalise his memorial? I mean, you'd have to be stupid. It's got cameras all over the place. You know, they'd have people in, in court very, very quickly. Um, I see as well that in the paper today there is the... Uh, the story of the terminally ill, who they say should have the right to ask their doctor for lethal drugs. And, of course, at the moment, it's not legal in this country. You have to go to Dignitas. And people go over It looks a bit sterile. I've seen the inside of Dignitas. We've seen all the programmes on the television about it. And I've often thought... I don't know. To, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm in two minds over, if I had a terminal illness, whether or not I would want to go to my doctor to be given drugs, or whether or not I would want to go somewhere nice where they just give you an injection and you go to sleep. At this precise moment in time, I don't have a terminal illness, so I don't know how I would feel. So it'd be quite interesting to find out, you know, whether or not you would think any differently if you had a terminal illness. You might know people who have it, and they're, and they're dealing with it at the moment, because if you've got it, you always think, don't you? Well, I think you think, that there might be a cure around the corner. I would hate to think... That, you know, just when you go there, somebody goes, oh, by the way, they've just found a cure. And you go, well, it's a bit late now. They've just administered this injection. So that, that would be the kind of thing that would worry me. I would always cling on for the hope, I suppose. Oh, wait, four, five, six, oh, six, oh, nine, seven, three. And they found love notes written between, wait for this one, Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn, scribbled in the back of a prayer book. And they're about to be revealed in a TV series. And I'll tell you exactly what he said in a moment. He was, he was apparently quite, quite romantic. Mad as a toothbrush, of course, but uh, but quite romantic. These are the news headlines with Alex Kirkland. Thank you, Steve. The Metropolitan Police say they... Oh, sorry, we, d we don't have Andy McCall at the moment. I'm terribly sorry about that. We'll, we'll come back to Andy a little bit later on. Give you a quick time check instead. It's 16 past five.
LBC 97.3. Call 0845 6060973. Text 84850. Steve Allen. We can now go to Andy McCall. No, we can't. I was telling a fib. I was telling a fib. We can go, we can't go. What next? No studio? No lighting? Anyway, uh, onwards and upwards, as they say. Come on, hands up. Who ordered tickets for the synchronised swimming? Who seriously wants to go to the Olympics to watch synchronised swimming? Apparently, they've sold 10,000 too many because the computer got a bit confused by the whole thing. And an inputting error meant 20,000 were sold, double the number of... Who went to synchronised swimming? I ask the question again. I can't think of anything more boring. And why is it only girls who do synchronised swimming? I do not believe it. I don't believe people are remotely interested in people with pegs on their noses and things like that and hair scraped back. It's all very nice. And I could probably do it myself if I, if I chose to do it. But I'm just curious as to know who would want to go and... I could understand. They've said if you send them back, they'll give you tickets for diving. Far more interesting, isn't it? And why don't blokes do synchronised swimming? Oh, wait, four five six oh six oh nine seven three. Anyway, just back to this, this love note between Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn, scribbled in the margin of a prayer book. Um symbolically writing on a page depicting the man of sorrows, Henry VIII tells Boleyn, if you remember my love in your prayers as strongly as I adore you, I shall hardly be forgotten, for I am yours, Henry R. forever. And then, and with what experts believe was deliberate enticement, she writes beneath a picture of the Annunciation showing the Archangel Gabriel telling the Virgin Mary she would have a son. Experts think this was intended by Boleyn to suggest she would bring the king the male heir he so desperately wanted. Her message in English reads, By daily proof you shall find to be in you both loving and kind. It's supposed to have been written in around 1528. This was two years after Henry began trying to seduce her and is part of a collection of royal manuscripts kept by the British Library. Sounds fantastic. You can't imagine putting a price on that at all. You cannot imagine how much that would be worth. Because I went to see, when the British Library opened up their special exhibition on Henry VIII, of course, being royal, they kept everything, all his missives and his letters backwards and forwards to uh, to the pontiff in Rome, saying, I'm not happy with this. So it must have taken forever to get these things over there. But they've got them. They've actually got Henry VIII's handwriting. And you look at it thinking, Henry VIII wrote that, and we've still got it. So imagine what they, they've got inside Buckingham Palace. They must have... All sorts of things. I mean, the, the, the royal family must have kept everything. In, in this, the Queen's special jubilee year, they're putting on an exhibition of diamonds, and some of them are among the Queen's private collection. And believe you me, you ain't ever seen anything like these. They're absolutely fantastic. I mean, they're absolutely beautiful. They really are. No, I'm not particularly into diamonds, but you just look at them and think that they, they were given presents by people which form part of the royal collection. And they never get... They never get to see the light of day, unfortunately. They just sort of sit there and occasionally somebody will say, well, let's bring this out or we'll lend it to somebody. You know, Catherine, you know, wants to wear it and she wants to do this and there's a special exhibition. Uh, just don't ever lend it to Sarah Ferguson. You know, she might never get it back. It would be down the pawn shop or eBay very quickly. But they've, they've got all this stuff because over the years, the Queen and the Royal Family, every time they go anywhere, whether they to Dubai or wherever it happened to be, they're given presents. And sometimes the presents were enormous, like they've been given elephants, they've been given horses. Diamonds they like a bit better because they're, they're, they're kind of negotiable currency. You can take those back and change them into something else, which I think they have done before. In the days when people wore tiaras, when, when the Queen Mother 
a commoner, poor soul, uh, first moved into the royal family. She had diamonds all over the place because she thought that people wanted to see that kind of thing because people were, were poor. And so when London was being bombed, I think it was her that went outside Buckingham Palace and said that, that she felt at peace because now that Buckingham Palace had been bombed, she felt she could look the East End in the eye because they'd also suffered. And, and that was the thing. And she said, and I also dress up, she said, I, because people would dress up coming to see me. People would actually, you know, come in there and they would, she said, so when I go out to meet people, I dress up as well. And so she did to the very end of her days. 5.20. This is LBC. Very interesting picture in one of the papers today of uh, Big Brother Babe Imogen Thomas, bore of the first uh, century, I'm afraid, causing an online weight row by claiming she's got body issues. She suggested she's desperate to shed festive pounds. It's only a size eight. Now as daft as so-called celebrities, ladies and gentlemen. 0845 or 84850 or Lots and lots of your uh, texts and uh, emails to get through this morning. Uh, plus, we take your calls on a, on a variety of topics. All these lovely people here who've shed weight. There's a, a group of ladies. They've shed 67 stone between them. Now, you're going to find these people. There's 56 million, 65, 66, 70 million of us in this country. And you're always going to find a group of ladies who are going to shed weight. It's not, it's not the shedding of the weight that's the problem. It's the putting it back on again that's the even bigger problem. Let's quickly go through some of your... Um, your uh, emails this morning. Wayne's very confused, but he's in Christchurch, New Zealand. He said, "Can you? He said, what time do you start? At four o'clock. What time do you finish? Six thirty. Okay. And there's a special podcast. There's a special podcast, a special free podcast, which is very nice indeed. And uh, Vesta says, just tuned into the programme. I found with John Lewis, the quality of the goods is better. Although you may pay a little bit extra, they last longer. Something my parents always taught us when you're spending money. When it comes to buying underwear, better M&S than Primark. Well, you see, they're all aimed at different different pieces of the market. You know, Primark is, is for people who, who've got maybe not a huge amount of money and they want a lot for it. And Marks and Spencers would be a, would be a, a different sort of person in the same way that I'm quite sure the person who shops in Marks and Spencers would not be the same person who would shop in, in Aldi or in Morrison's or in Lidl or in a place like that. Each, each person has actually got, you know, we're all targeted differently. If you look at the target for Marks and Spencers, it would probably be roughly the same as Waitrose or John Lewis, people that go to department stores. And we all like a bargain. It doesn't matter who we are. We love a bargain. Uh, 84850, LBC.co.uk. UK. Uh, another one here. This is uh, from, uh, oh, it's from Cape Town, actually. Uh, and Roger's saying, it's, uh, it, it's not Anne Sheridan in Genevieve, it was Dinah Sheridan. Thank you, Roger, very much indeed. Well, actually, he's living in, he's in Cape Town at the moment, but he's, he's normally from Barnet. And uh, the American pin-up, the Winslow boys, Robert Donut, Mr Chips. Anne Sheridan was the American pin-up. Thank you very much indeed, Paul. Uh, one hit, Thomas, who says, uh, a famous... Anne Sheridan's famous movie was with James Cagney, Angels with Dirty Faces. I don't think I ever saw... I have a feeling I've got that, but I'm not sure if I've actually seen the, the blooming thing. Uh, the Winslow Boy, says David. See, we all, we all knew the, uh, the Winslow Boy. Uh, we're all doing very, very well on that one. And goodbye, Mr Chips, which I'm amazed, actually. I'm, I'm so pleased you all know what it is. The name of the film by uh, James Mason is, I think... I don't know, just type in James Mason. You'll, you'll find it uh, on Amazon. And I think it's called The London I Love. It's James Mason walking around London and um, and looking at nice things. Looking at nice things. Mary says Kathleen Harrison died in 1995 at the age of 103. 
I loved her. She was just she was just a marvellous person. She was she was just very good. She, I think people liked her because she did. She just did what they call, um, you know, those sort of kitchen sink dramas, which is good. Talking as well this morning of where you buy from. Do you buy internet or do you buy not from internet? Do you go out shopping on the on the high street? Tim, morning. Good morning, Steve. Happy New Year. Good Lord, is it, is it that time already? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah, internet shopping, mate. Um... I, I sort of found Amazon about four or five years ago, so I joined their Amazon Prime. And oh. do you know what? I buy absolutely everything off. Them. I didn't realise that they sell everything. Did you realise that they sell things like dressing gowns and... Oh, absolutely. Everything. Even, you know, when my partner comes to stay for the weekend, she says, Tim, you're running out of uh, loo rolls and washing uh, tablets for the washing machine. Boom, I'm on there. Amazon Prime, next day they're there. Yeah, and with Amazon Prime, I should point out, I think it's £50 a year and it's free postage unless it's from somebody not Amazon. That's correct. I've, I've actually fell in that hole, Steve, yes, where, yeah. where mm. I've bought stuff and found out when I've clicked on, you know, and they've got my number and everything, when I've clicked on, it's, you know, sometimes it's a two-week delivery. Yeah. But, um, I, yeah, Amazon Prime, they've been absolutely fantastic. I've bought tons and tons of stuff. Oh, me too. Yeah. I, but the trouble is that the worst thing is if you, if you go on to buy a film or a book or a piece of music, it goes, yeah. people who bought this also bought, and then they put up another load of things. Yeah, they do. But, I mean, like, for instance, I, I, I needed a, I painted a real nice white roll neck sweater to go with my flying jacket. Oh. Two weeks before Christmas, I looked on um, Amazon and I couldn't find it. So I went to a very famous store online. I always said, we'll have it there for two or three, da- in two or three days. They took three weeks and they had to give me a 30% discount oh. because it didn't come till New Year's Day. <laughs> yes, but, it, but uh, yeah, I'm It I'm is actually pleased. useful, though, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's 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 been great because I, even food shopping, I you know, I just walk down to Iceland, order me stuff, go back home, and two hours later, it's there. Yes, I mean, uh, the, the trouble is, it, it's almost made us lazy, hasn't it? Well, yeah, absolutely. It's 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 not a good thing, uh, but um, it's 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 the new way. It's the way forward, I suppose. So. How, how old are you, Tim? Can I be rude? I, I'm sixty-three, sir. So you're sixty-three. Did you ever think? That at 63, you'd be sitting there in front of a computer, ordering stuff and being absolutely, quite confident. Absolutely, absolutely not. I, I mean, I used to spend time, you know, going down shopping bags and shoving it in the back of the car and all this <laughs> stuff. And now I've got three laptops, one in the lounge, one in the bedroom, one in the kitchen. I just go up to one of them and go, hmm, what do I fancy you today? You can find anything, can't you? I mean, the, I mean the, all the things that you remember from your childhood. Yeah. And you can order them. <laughs> Yeah, I buy DVDs and stuff. Yeah. Someone says to me, have you seen this? No, I'll go up and have a look on Amazon and it's there, click, boom, and uh, a couple of days later it's here. So so is the, uh, you know, going out into the high street, trying to park the car, battling away well, through the crowds? Well, where I live, I, I live in uh, Carshorton, which is equal distance between Croydon, Croydon. and Sutton, and yes. it's a bit like you when you talk about West End parking. Yeah. It's impossible. Yes. So if I need to go, there's a bus that goes directly in between and it's not a problem. But yeah, uh, thumbs up to internet shopping, especially Amazon. Absolutely. Tim, thank you for that. So big thumbs up for Amazon. I like uh, Lakeland. Is it Lakeland, the plastic company? I think they're actually good. Some of these internet shop. I love the internet shopping thing. I don't like putting in too much information, but then I think, well, Amazon have got it all and you just click and pay. And I love PayPal as well. That, that kind of changed my life a bit. LBC 97.3, time this Thursday morning, 5.30.
morning. Anita in Putney reckon that Rock Hudson and Tony Curtis and Liz Taylor and Catherine Hepburn were the handsome actors. I quite like that idea. Quite like that idea. Rock Hudson. I mean, Rock Hudson was very good. But I distinctly remember when Rock became ill. It was the worst kept secret in Hollywood that Rock Hudson was gay. People went, he was gay. In fact, at one point, they married him off to the, the fan club secretary. She didn't have the faintest idea either. But uh, he, he played straight very well. Because in those days, Tony Curtis... Um, I liked Tony Curtis. I thought he was great. And then he, he married, I think, a porn actress. I think, absolutely. I Was Monty's Double was, uh, was shown on uh, Channel 4. Friday the 13th, 11.15, says, uh, says June. Fantastic. It's such a good film. The music is great. And uh, did you see the musical Me and My Girl? Says Gay Ernie. Uh, yes, I did. I was there for the very last performance, actually. Uh, Nigel. Uh, Kathleen Harrison died in Brinsworth, says Sam. Did she really? I'll have to check with my with my girls up there. Is Petula Clark still alive? Yes, of course, absolutely. The child actor was Richard Attenborough. Well, actually, Richard was a, a child star. Uh, another one here. And Ian says, My dad went to stay with a family in Wales during the war. When he came back, he spoke fluent Welsh on his return to London. Do you know, I saw a programme the other day. Strangely enough, it was on the Queen Mary... And I, I wasn't sure if it was actually on the Queen Mary, the ship, but it was... They had this guy, he was only a young guy, and he had memorabilia from the Queen Mary. And he had ashtrays. They had special ashtrays, which were in uh, first class. And he had one. But the most unusual thing that he had uh, from the Queen Mary, the big ocean-going liner, was the carpet. He had the huge carpet in the first-class lounge. It was split into three pieces, and he'd had it rolled up. He'd, he'd bid for it on an internet auction site. Nobody had wanted it, so he'd got it. And this thing is enormous. And he took it to this specialist cleaner, and they, and they sort of unrolled it, and it looked exactly the same as it did. Exactly the same as it did when it was first laid down there. So that they, they reckon that it's, it's going to look absolutely fantastic. But fancy having... That kind of thing. You wouldn't imagine that anybody would still have the carpet from the Queen Mary. I thought all this stuff disappeared ages ago. Uh, thank you for everybody telling me about The Winslow Boy. Such a good film. Who played The Winslow Boy, though? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't Attenborough, was it? I don't think Attenborough played The Winslow Boy. I'm sure it was somebody else. Uh, Lynn is in Doncaster. Says, great to have you on at 4am. Thank you. Uh, Goodbye, Mr Chips is a school film with Robert Donut, says Alice. And yes, it was the, it was he was accused of stealing a postal order based apparently on a on a true story on a true story. So thank you very much indeed for that. And Paul in Berrylands and uh, D and and Mags and Tony and Steve and God, blimey, just about everybody actually hundreds and hundreds of you who knew exactly. Uh, it was also goodbye, Mr Chips remade with Martin Clunes, says Jeffrey, and his wife died in childbirth and he lost his son at the same time. Great great film, which was good. Um, poor old Jan says, uh, has this mega wind caused damage to property? Has it ever? Has it ever? Uh, going back to, uh, to buying things when we were young, I'm only 41, just on the 30th. But uh, do you remember the Shove Hapney boards? Yes, I don't, we never played Shove Hapney. It was, I think it was a pub game. I seem to remember, I think, actually. Chris says, you're wrong about the third light. First light alert, second light direction, third light kill shot. That's exactly what it was. That's why it's unlucky. You, ne you never strike a match three times. First time, they see it. Second time, they line up. Third time, they pull the trigger. So I'm, I was absolutely... I'm never wrong. Never wrong. Tony at Westgate, never wrong. Tony at Westgate says, just for Christmas, I've got two Samsung 51-inch televisions, five-year guarantee from John Lewis, 480 quid. 
And Anne in Chipperfield says, I went to Lakeland to buy a jar of hibiscus flowers to put in my champagne and ended up spending an obscene amount of money in their sale. That's always loving the programme. It's very easy, isn't it, to spend money online. You know why? Because you can't see it. It's not like... It's not like handing over cash for something. You just click on a, on a button, and when you click on the button, the money comes out of your account, and we're, we're not aware of it. It's, it's false economy. Like yesterday, when I was buying the cream cakes, sitting upstairs on the desk, I've noticed. I'm not sure if anybody's actually managed to open the box yet. They're probably saving it because they're, they're too embarrassed to open the box and go, oh, my goodness me, cream cakes at this time of the morning. But they're very good for, because they just fall apart, and they're absolutely wonderful. Uh, and I bought them, but you hand over cash. And so that way you see the money going. But to be honest with you, I, also, I like buying things that I can't have. It makes me feel a bit better because I've, I can pretend in my mind that I can eat a cream cake, whereas, in fact, I've not eaten a cream cake for, for ages and ages. But I, I looked at them yesterday and I, I kept thinking, gosh, they do look nice. They do look... We had a, a great cake for my birthday years ago made by a fantastic patisserie, which Warren uh, came up with, and they make the most beautiful... And this cake came in. It was the most stunning cake you've ever seen with roses on it, all edible. It was just... We had to eat it. We had to eat it. I mean, I I can make myself ill on a cream cake very, very easily. But uh, on average, we are a happy lot. And the reason we're a happy lot is because we, we do things the same. A typical day at the office is what they've done in the papers today. You commute to the office, probably takes you, they say, around 20 minutes. This is on average. You arrive at the office at around nine minutes past eight. That's a lie-in for people around here. First chat with colleagues is around 20 minutes after that. No. You always... The moment you walk in, you say something to somebody. The first coffee tea of the day at 8.30. No, you see, I I don't know which office they're going in, but here, the moment you walk in tea or, or coffee, and that, that's how it works. Lunch is at 12.41. Then there's a lunch break of approximately 28 minutes. Nobody has an hour now, and many people don't go out for lunch. Many people have lunch. They have what, what, what they call a working lunch. So you have it at your desk. You get a sandwich, or somebody says, well, I'm just going out to Pret, or I'm going to here, or, and somebody says, oh, could you get me a sandwich? Or, or two, two, two toasties, or two, two bacon sandwiches. If you go to the canteen here, it's fatal. You know, you go up there and think, I'll just have a sausage and, uh, and egg and uh, a bacon as well. And throw, throw the bacon in. And uh, well, I better have two because I'll, I'll eat one on the way down in the lift and then pretend I only bought one. I've done that before. Average cost of lunch, £3.23. Phone calls made in the course of a day, 20. Emails received, 32. Good grief. Must be a, must be a very small office, this one. Phone calls received, 21. And you'll Facebook and Twitter. You'll do online financing. Uh, you'll spend time on personal emails. Uh, the biggest bugbear in the office, computers and printers crashing. Hardly happens around here, strangely enough. Hardly. Occasionally, occasionally the computer will have a, have a little bit of a, a bit of a fit, I think. Time in current job, around six years and four months. You'll leave the office at around 5.22. Ha! If only. Which office is this? I'd love to find out. The commute home is 33 minutes, because it takes you longer to get anywhere, because everybody's leaving at the same time. And the cost of your daily commute, they say, is about £4.22. Ha! If only. If only. I think things cost much more than that nowadays. Much more. But we have got a lovely picture of the paper today. If ever there was, there was happiness needed to radiate throughout the world, it's to celebrate the fact that Ina Pugh and Lily Millwood celebrated their birthday yesterday. They are the world's oldest twins. And, uh, and I think they're, they're uh, British. They live in uh, Brecken, Powys, where they were born. It obviously serves them well because they're 102 today. And they both look fantastic. Lily's daughter, 
Diane Powell is 65 and says, My mum's in hospital after a fall, but she's in good spirits and enjoying the attention of being one of the world's oldest twins. They meet up for a weekly shopping trip. They still chat on the phone every night. And the secret of their long life is laughter and having a joke. That's what it, that's that's the secret. And also a bit of money, I suppose. You can't do anything without a bit of money. So as long as you can laugh through life, that apparently will see you through to old age. If, of course, you don't have much money, try not to laugh as often. Because there's no point in getting there and being terribly, uh, terribly miserable, I'm afraid. Uh, Don says, um, uh, no, this is Cathy, actually, who said, didn't Greer Garson die in a car crash, driving back from having the photo taken with the twin babies? As the film was 39 and Air Raid was doubtful. Oh, perhaps it might not have been. Perhaps that was the other one. I can't remember. Whatever it was, she died. Was it car crash? I th- I th- for some reason, I thought it was an Air Raid. Strangely. And, uh, and Don says, we buy almost everything on the net except for food which is mainly from M&S. As your caller said, Amazon goods usually delivered within at most 48 hours. Why spend hours driving around and walking around ghastly shopping mouths when it can be done in minutes? I fear, he says, Mary Portas is trying to push water up the hill. Yes, because she's trying to revitalise the high street. And we're, we're, we're lucky in Twickenham. Our high street's OK. We only have about two empty shops, I think, which I think is, is good news, because some places in London are absolutely decimated. They don't have as much as we've actually got. So most of our stuff is good. We were a bit worried when we got Poundland, you know, because they, 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 they put six tills in. I've never seen six tills working apart from day one. The moment they'd actually done that, they got rid of all the staff. And now you're down to two people and sometimes one. So there could be a queue nearly to the back of the shop and one person working because nobody's got the intelligence to go, can we have some more staff on the tills? You know, which really annoys me. They do it in Marks and Spencer. The staff are trained that if, if there's a queue of people, you push your bell three times and somebody will hear it who's stacking shelves and come and do the till for a few minutes. Because it's the customers that keep you going without, you know, otherwise we'll all just put, put the goods down on the floor and walk out. I did see that in M&S, actually. Do you remember they started charging for, for carrier bags? And people, I think even Nick Ferrari was against carrier bag charges. I don't mind. I have no, no problem paying 5p for a carrier bag or 10p for a carrier bag. What I object to is the fact that they can't be bothered to order the blooming things, and so you end up with two 5p bags, whereas I don't want two 5ps. I want a 10p bag, but they haven't had them in for ages. Ages and ages. And that drives me mad. Uh, Anne Sheridan was in Kings Row, where Ronnie Reagan had his legs chopped off, and Angels with Dirty Face, most of her many, many movies from the 30s through the late 50s onwards, says David, were fairly dire. She was, however, undeniably beautiful. That's the problem, isn't it? You, you get somebody who is, who is stunningly attractive, and yet the movies they make were so awful. They were just dreadful. I'll tell you what is most peculiar, and I bought it the other day, and you probably ordered it yourself. It's Phantom of the Opera at the Royal Albert Hall. And whilst it's lovely to see it done with a big orchestra and lots of screens, Andrew Lloyd Webber lurches through the curtain at the end... <laughs> He's all over Sarah Brightman like a rash. Michael Crawford very wisely disappears while Sarah Brightman warbles her way through a couple of songs. But at least it's got a huge company to do the show, uh, the song Masquerade. If you've never seen it, you'll, you'll, you'll probably watch it. But it is a bit all over the place. It's not half as good as Cameron's Les Miserables, which, which you know, really holds up well. Phantom looks a little bit dated. Some funny bits, which didn't quite work for me. But I still bought the thing, because I'm like that. I'm a showbiz person. It's LBC 97.3, at the time, quarter to six. With the news headlines, it's Alex Kirkland. Thank you, Steve. Scotland Yard say they've received fresh... All the papers this morning saying, well, two in prison for the murder of Stephen Lawrence. Now let's get the other ones as part of the gang. 
not quite long enough. The judge is in one of the papers saying he wished he could have made it 30 years. I'm sure the rest of the country are thinking exactly the same, although I'm sure that their, their time spent in prison will be fruitful. Not. Uh, incidentally, as we go into the new year, the one thing you're all worried about... I was watching the television yesterday, and it was, it was Christine Bleakley who was appearing on Loose Swimming, which was OK. You know, she was fairly sort of bubbly, and, uh, and it was all going quite well, and then she ruined it, because they then cut to her sister in the audience, and out came the blatant plug for their fitness DVD. Christine Bleakley, as thin as a postage stamp. You know, it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's just done as a shameless attempt to part women from their from their hard-earned cash. You don't need to do it. So I open up The Sun today, and The Sun are telling you how to check your body. And by the time you've read this article, you're so depressed. They say, first of all, check moles. Measure your waist. Check your bra. I don't have a bra. I don't have a bra. Improve your posture. I think we could all do that. We don't sit up straight. How many times did your parents say, sit up straight? You'll end up with bad curvature of the spine. Check for bruising. Apparently, as you get a bit older, you bruise. I sometimes wake up with bruising. Uh, And love your skin. Apparently, if you look after your skin, that's fine. So lots of moisturising and lots of, sort of, you know, pampering and all that kind of thing. All the stuff which, which ladies and girls do, but, but nobody else does. Men don't, men don't do that kind of thing. They've, they've tried to make it take off, but it hasn't, hasn't really taken off in the way that they thought it was going to take off. Uh, Goodbye, Mr Chips was filmed at Sherbourne School in lovely Dorset, says Rosie, which was my brother's old school. Yes, I, I, I couldn't remember where it was. I, strangely enough, I thought it was up north, but uh, obviously not. Uh, 84850 and uh, uk. Um, Margaret says, no little extra bit this morning, 4th of Jan. Yeah, it's up there. It's up there. We, we, we found it. So that's the little, the little free podcast which goes on. Steve Allen's little extra bit was there uh, yesterday. In fact, I, I checked this morning and it was definitely there. Definitely there. So uh, if you want to find out today's, today's will be up there around about eight o'clock, something like that. But a couple of people now said they haven't found it from yesterday. It's not difficult to find, is it? It's quite easy. Just go to the LBC website. It's free. It doesn't cost you a penny piece. Just, you know, absolutely nothing at all. doesn't cost any money at all to download it. And it's all the little uh, little bits. Little bit. Les Miserables, Cameron Macintosh, not James Cameron. Uh, we didn't mention James Cameron. We said Cameron. I don't know who James Cameron is. So I definitely wouldn't have mentioned him. I never make mistakes. Uh, Neil North was the Winslow boy. Thank you, Tom, very much indeed. Neil North. Whatever happened to Neil North? He must have disappeared somewhere along the line. Um, the Winslow boys were based on the real case, says Barbara. And Sheridan was the American actress, born 1915, died 1967. And uh, she also appeared in The Man Who Came to Dinner. Now, that was based on another true story, I seem to remember. And Anne Sheridan, says Paul's best films, probably I Was a Male War Bride with Cary Grant. Do you know, I never saw that film. For some reason, it just didn't appeal to me. I did talk to a lady once. I was very friendly with a, with, with a lady who, who went out with, with Cary Grant. She spent a long time with him. She was his girlfriend for quite a while. Uh, listening from Balmain East in Sydney, says uh, Julie, who likes, apparently, English cake shops. Don't have that many English cake shops, do we? They're mainly foreign patisseries, but I, I like patisseries. I'm very, very good at foreign patisseries, if you class patisserie Valerie. Uh, the trip down memory lane. Uh, goodbye, Mr Chips. That, uh, that last line, to the express regret that Mr Chips never had any children, his reply, he had hundreds of children. All boys. All boys. Lovely. It was great, actually, wasn't it? It was, it was just a really... It was just a really, really good film, and I always remember that closing line when they said, oh, it's funny, you know, that, that you never had any children, but I did. He said, I did. 
all boys. Because it was at a boys' school. Uh, front page of The Sun this morning. They're talking about the judge urging police to hunt down the rest of the racist thugs who killed the teenager Stephen Lawrence. And that's, that's still making all the papers today. The Daily Express do the, uh, the same as well. The police have vowed to hunt down the rest of the killer gang. And they've said, uh, don't, don't rest easy in your beds, because uh, they'll be out there. And uh, Kate has finally named her charities. This is uh, Kate Middleton. This is Prince William's wife, because they have to have charities now. And the more charities they align themselves to, the better it is. And so as she turns 30 on Monday, she's going to be uh, working, I think, we're, as, as a volunteer with the Scouts... Once she's passed a criminal records bureau check, she has to pass this check before they'll allow her. And then she'll be helping out with the Beaver and the Cub Scouts near the home that she shares with Prince William in North Wales and London. Uh, She will, like any other occasional volunteer, have the option of wearing a Scout polo shirt and scarf while on duty. And she'll be looking at boys and girls between six and ten. She'll be doing first aid and helping out with cooking and campfire. How lovely. I didn't think people joined the Scouts and the Brownies anymore. I thought it was it was a bit sort of uh, a bit out of bit. They think it's a bit naff, don't they, really? I always thought it was it was great. I was a, I was a cub, never quite made it to the Scouts. We only got as far as dib, dib, dib and sat on a mushroom and that was it. She will become patron of four organisations. Action on Addiction, East Anglia's Children's Hospices, the National Portrait Gallery and the Art Room. Very interesting, isn't it? The National Portrait Gallery. That's, that's quite it. I predict that by the end of the year, there will be a whole stack more, a whole stack more of uh, charities, which, because everybody wants, you know, will, will want her to be assigned with their charity, because that's the way that they make money, that the higher the profile of the celebrity, the more money that there is. Uh, Daily Star this morning, Pixie Lott is telling you that she's uh, red hot for Prince Harry, but we had that the other day, didn't we? we had poor old Amy Childs going, she went, hello, Harry, as if. As if. I don't believe that at all. The Daily Star says in their editorial today, they say that the killers of Stephen Lawrence could be free in just 15 years. They received life sentences, but because of our crazy legal system, the evil pair had to be sentenced as juveniles because of their ages at the time they murdered the teenager. So, in other words, Dobson could be freed after serving 15 years and two months. Norris could be out in 14 years and three months. That's instead of the minimum 30 years they would get under adult rules, but they weren't tried as adults. And they say here, it's simply not good enough. These racist thugs murdered a talented teenager in cold blood, all because of the colour of his skin. They should, uh, they should never see freedom again. They should be locked up and the key thrown away. Change the law if necessary, say the Daily Star. Time for life to actually mean life, which is what people have said for ages. I don't understand why in this country we say you will go to prison for life. And it doesn't mean that. Why can't it mean life? If you say, you will, Bruce Wade, you will die in prison. Why? To be honest with you, I even bother with uh, things like that. We did discuss the other day the death penalty and decided that it, it wasn't actually a deterrent, but it would save us having to care for somebody. Why do you have to put somebody in prison at a cost of goodness knows how many thousands of pounds every year when somebody is, I think, not earned the right to live in society? So we take them out of the equipment. Perhaps we can send them to Australia. Perhaps we could send them to Dubai, see how they fare out there. or Send them anywhere. Why should we have to put up with these people all the time? But we have to put up with them. And unfortunately, if they've spent time in custody, then that's knocked off the sentence. So if, if they behave themselves, they can actually be out in, uh, in, in, in a much shorter period of time. It's, it's, it's something that's upset the, uh, the British nation for a long, long time. Steve, the original Chips, you're quite right, filmed at Repton School in Derbyshire. Two of my paperboys who were day students there took me to see the place. Maybe Dorset was the location for the Pet Clark remake. Yes, I mean, I, I thought it was 
I didn't think it was Dorset. That's why I said I, I thought it was. A, so it, it was it was Repton, Repton School in Derbyshire. I thought it was up it was up north somewhere. Sounds delightful, doesn't it? I remember seeing pictures of it, and uh, it's good. Uh, Steve, the book of I Was Monty's Double by Emmy Clifton James is still available by various sellers. Never read it, but a true story. I have it. I have. I, I bought a copy of the original book, and it's the story of M.E. Clifton James, who bore a frightening resemblance to uh, Monty of Alamein. And so what they did during the war, and, and whether it's true... I mean, I don't know whether I've been hoodwinked by everything, because I bought into it, believing it was true, because he looked so much like Monty that the British Secret Service decided to use him to send him around Europe, pretending to the Germans that he really was Monty, giving speeches and really detailing... Uh, plans which were never going to come to fruition. So we, we led the Germans to believe certain things were going to be happening where they weren't. It was very similar to a film that came out some years ago called The Man Who Never Was. And that was again designed, and I was never sure if that was a true story either, designed to fool the Germans into thinking that we were going to be doing this, whereas in fact we were doing something completely different. It was to get them to move around the country a lot more and us to come in and unsuspectingly come up the uh, the rear, as they say. And that was called The Man Who Never Was. And they had to find a man who they could shoot out of a submarine, who died, quite clearly. And they, they created a false identity. It's a great film. Roughly the same kind of music. So, in fact, it could be even Richard Attensell's music again in that. Daily Mail today. They've cheated justice for 19 years. But while the rest of the Stephen Lawrence killer gang were warned yesterday, they will not get away with murder. Jailing Gary Dobson and David Norris for the terrible and evil crime which scarred the conscience of the nation, Mr Justice Treacy dramatically ordered Scotland Yard to hunt down the three or four killers still at large. Police, he declared, should not close the file on the case. I have no doubt in my mind that they will not be closing the file on the case. And, uh, and I suspect that we will see uh, all sorts of other people appearing in court uh, this year, I suspect, this year, although some of the people I'd like to see appearing in court are the Somalian pirates. I don't understand how the Somalian pirates can uh, rape, pillage and uh, extract money out of the country, whereas we just don't go in there and just blast them out of the water. MPs have now said the failure to put the pirates in the dock just beggars belief. Most things beggar belief in this country, don't they? And that's why we'll have the news headlines at six next on 97.3. On F. Morning, five minutes past six is the time. It's nice to have your company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. Till 6.30, Susan Bookbinder will be here then with, uh, with the news roundup until seven when Nick Ferrari and the team will be here for this morning. And no doubt they're going to be looking back at uh, yesterday and the verdict and, uh, and the way things changed yesterday and also finding out exactly just uh, how much the, uh, the police operation now is going to build up to say, think, find the rest of the uh, the gang that murdered Stephen Lawrence. I'm sure that will be coming up with Nick Ferrari this morning. Doing the papers for him today is Duncan Campbell, former Guardian crime correspondent and former chair of the Crime Reporters Association. They're talking about assisted dying as well. I asked you about this earlier on, whether or not you would be in favour of assisted dying. And I'm, my argument against it is that you always think that they might, they might find something at the last minute. I know it's it's probably a bit... It's a bit vague, I know, but you just think there might be something there. I remember talking to a friend of mine when his, his wife was diagnosed with cancer. He tried everything. He absolutely tried everything, even though they'd said it was terminal 
and there wasn't very much that they could do about it. He still tried everything. He, he, he found faith healers. He went to this. He, he talked to all sorts of people who claimed that they had, uh, you know, the power to stop this kind of thing. And, of course, it was, it was to no end, I'm afraid. So I think what they're going to be doing today is saying that if you are terminally ill, uh, you should have the right to go to your doctor and and say, listen, can you can you help, you know, end my life? Because some of the people who go to Dignitas seem to be perfectly, in inverted commas, normal people. They, they seem to be quite logical about talking about dying. They've obviously got to that stage where, where their body has been so racked with pain that they, they just want to end it. And I suppose we've all been like that, but never having had a terminal illness, I don't know how I'd feel about it. I've known people who've had cancer, but uh, you always think, don't you? If you have cancer, well, you know, we're going to beat it. And if you've got cancer now and they put you on chemo and they've given you all the drugs, then you feel good. My mum had had steroids. She loved the steroids. Oh, blimey. It was like sweeties to her. She felt she could run the marathon after the steroids. She couldn't, of course, but it, it gave her this false hope. And I thought that was great. I thought that was great. But she did go through these mood swings, which if you've got anybody in a similar situation, you'll know exactly how it is. Whether or not you get to that stage where you go... I mean, I've, I've known people, strangely enough, in their 90s, who dread waking up in the morning because they've got to get through another day. And they go, oh, I wish somebody would just take me. But they, but they wake up and they go, oh, oh, blimey, I'm awake again. Whereas they, they're secretly hoping that they're not, so that they can, they can just drift away and sleep. Because I suppose you get a bit older, as we all know. You know, your body starts slowing down a bit, and you can't run. For, I mean, I haven't run for a bus for ages. I've seen buses, and I've thought, you know, if I was younger, I could have beat that bus. I could have actually got to the bus stop before the bus got there. Now I think, there'll be another along in ten minutes. Who cares? There'll be another bus. And we do that, don't we? No, nobody wants to look embarrassed by racing along a railway platform just to get to the door and the guard goes, and it stops. And, and, you're, and you're desperately trying to open the door and, and it, it's not happening because he's already turned it off. And then the train, about two minutes later, starts moving out and you feel such a fool. So, you have, so I never run for trains. I never run for buses. I don't run for anything like that. But I did get the other day, and I'm a bit excited by it, a little bit excited. I did get a note through my door. We tried to deliver a parcel to you, but you weren't in. And I thought... I so was in. I so was in. And it must have been our not regular postman. Because normally he'd just ring somebody else's bell and then leaves it. And it's good. And he said it wouldn't go through your letterbox. So I'm assuming it's not, it's, it's not the wages for this month. Because that would fit in the back of a pigeon. And uh, so I have a feeling it's some cleaner that I've ordered. I don't know why. It's an odd thing to, to order. But I got carried away one night on Amazon and, uh, and went through it. So we're talking today about this, this online shopping this thing that we're all doing now. This is after John Lewis have announced record sales. £600 million, just under £600 million they've uh, taken in. They reckon it was their TV advert. Uh, I saw the TV advert, but to be honest with you, I just see it as an advert. I don't see it as, oh, I must go and shop somewhere because I've seen that advert. I might if it was something specific, but I just thought it was a, it was a kid and it was Father Christmas and his parents and everybody went, oh, is that cute? But it wouldn't encourage me to go to a shop. I would never think if I saw an advert, oh, I must go there, unless it was something they were selling that I wanted. So I don't know whether or not you were those, one of those people who was tempted to go to John Lewis and whether or not you did spend your hard-earned money. Christo was talking about it overnight, saying that he, he actually liked shopping there because, A, they're, knowing nevingly, they're never knowingly undersold and, uh, B, he thinks he gets better service. Because you don't get too much service, do you, on, on the internet. You just order it, and then it arrives. I've never had any problems. I've had a couple of problems. A couple of problems. I ordered something for uh, once uh, from somebody. It was a hairdryer. Don't laugh. 
it was a hairdryer, and I ordered it, and it arrived, and it was quite clearly second-hand. And so I, I wrote and complained about it and got a rather stroppy reply from this company. So I thought, right, we'll remember you in future. You know, these people... You have to check these things out very carefully. It's the only time I've ever ordered anything, and it's, it's turned out not to be what it was. On the other hand, I'm totally convinced I bought fake razor blades before now. I'm totally, totally convinced. I, I buy something, I think, is this fake, is this not fake? Because I've looked at fakes, and even the police have said to me, can you tell the difference, Steve? Look, here is... They, they did it a while ago on the telly. Here is a bottle of Smirnoff. Here is the packing case it's in. Here is a real bottle of Smirnoff. And the police officer stood there and he said, even I can't tell the difference. They are absolutely identical. They come with everything, and yet this is fake vodka. So if ever you see vodka being offered for sale at car boot sales and places like that, don't buy it. 99% of the time, it's fake. 99%. Like cigarettes, fake. I know it seems stupid, but they fake everything nowadays. Everything is fake. Morning, Pat. Oh, good morning to you. First of all, Steve, thank you for bringing so much attention to uh, taking in uh, stray dogs. We did quite well with that, didn't we, the other day, I think? Very, very well, Mm. thank you. Now, I do all my shopping online. I get my food, I get everything. I don't buy, I rarely, rarely go to a shop. I even bought little bulbs for my uh, fridge the other day and a half-inch wick for my oil lamp. You don't need to move, do you? You just sit there in front of the computer. Well, I know, but the point is to me, A, uh, a lot of shops don't have things I want, Mm. um, and I don't waste any time. Also, I don't use uh, diesel in my vehicle. I mean, I just find it so convenient. But a lot of people like shopping. Mm. They like going around looking at things. Yes. As somebody pointed out earlier to us this morning, if you're buying things like clothes, you need to see them and touch them. Well, I've I've bought lots of clothes off. uh, I go straight onto the Marks and Spencer site, (laughs) and because I like Marks and Spencer... I have a look, and they even provide you with a bag that you can send things back. Uh, you get your money back, and it doesn't cost anything. I've never had to do that. I've got a, a, a good eye for things. Mm. Um, I do use Amazon such a lot yes. for all sorts of things. Me too. Me uh, too. And um, I bu- I've also sold a lot of stuff on eBay. Um, but, uh, you know, I just love it because I don't like shopping and I've got lovely books to read or television. Yes. I mean, a right old television addict, which is, uh, you know, a bit much. And it's such a joy to hear you saying, oh, I watched this film and I thought, oh, it's so nice. I don't feel such a, a yeah. You know. I, mean, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm sort of between the devil and the deep blue sea because I love ordering at home. I can sit there at about four o'clock and I'll go through and, th- and I'll sit there in front of the television and something will trigger something in my mind. I think I must check and see if that's still available. On the other hand, I quite like the process of going out into the high street. Not all the time, because I think about how much it costs to take the car in, how much the petrol's going to be, then I've got to pay for parking, then I'll probably have the car washed, then it will rain later and that will annoy me. And then I think if I can't get the right thing, I think, do you know, it's too much of a I won't go shopping. Because I've been shopping before in Kingston. I'm, I'm quite a regular in Kingston. And I look around and I think, there's nothing I need. I'm trying to find a pair of slip-on brown shoes at the moment and it's a blooming nightmare. I can't find these things. I'm sure they're out there somewhere. I just, at the moment, I couldn't find them. The last pair I bought was M&S because I refuse to spend a lot of money on shoes. I'm a bit mean. I always think if you spend more than £50 on a pair of shoes, I'm being ripped off. And I've heard, I've got a friend of mine, Graham, who spends like quite a few hundred pounds on a pair of shoes. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I'm I'm a little bit, you know, wear them, throw the things out and get another pair. 
So uh, I'm looking to go and buy another pair, but I'm blowed if I can find anything at the moment. More of your calls. Thank you, Pat, for that. More calls in a moment. LBC 97.3. Morning, 18 minutes past six. Don't forget, coming up uh, very shortly, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. That'll be at 6.30. Never forget the uh, extra special free podcast which will probably be online around 8 o'clock. So we, it normally goes up fairly quickly. We record it after the programme, and, uh, and that's something slightly tongue-in-cheek, uh, which you don't have to pay for, which is quite nice. So even if you know nothing about podcasting, it'll be your kind of thing, I promise you. Because uh, there's two up there already, and then there'll be... Um, yes, then there'll be today's up there, and then, of course, tomorrow as well. Uh, Steve says, Dan, I missed yesterday's show, and then later they saw that Nancy Doolally had her own guest column in The Sun. Yes, I'm not totally convinced she managed to write it. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, like most things in her life, it's, it's just a little bit fake. What, what is so delusional about this poor woman is the fact she seriously believes that the British public thinks she's fantastic. That's what's terribly, terribly, terribly worrying. Talking about, um, talking about things given to the royal family, says John, in Duke Street, off Grosvenor Square, there's a huge electricity substation built in 1903 with majestic entrances, a patio on top, open to the uh, to the public, but no clues to what it is. In the good old days, young officers from West End Central were told to inform tourists that every couple of years, as Empress Queen Victoria was presented with a white elephant, when they died, that was their mausoleum. Yes, so what is it, then? It's in Duke Street. It's just an electricity substation. Isn't it down in... Um, where is it? Down in Queensway. There's a square there with two houses, but they're fake. What they're actually covering is the air vent for the tube... So they've built these two houses, which fit in with stucco fronts. They've got front doors. They've got everything, except it's only the fronts. If you look behind them, it's the air vent for the tube. And I keep meaning to go down there. I've never actually been down there, but they've been talked about for ages and ages. I've always thought it was one of those good stories, which I think is uh, was fantastic. Um, Karen in Cardiff says uh, there's an offer on in, uh, in M&S. 25% off men's shoes. He said they don't have any money. The shoes that they did, because what happens is with a lot of men's stuff, is that they bring out an item, and then, after they've actually done that, they then, get, they then stop selling it. So they sell it for a little while, and they don't sell them, because I've seen my one. All the ones that are in there at the moment, I don't like. They look a, bit, a little bit strange. And they're not the sort of shoes that I would buy, and they're not the right price either. They had some shoes that are similar, but not... Not the same, and they were £65. I'm not spending £65 on a pair of shoes. So there you go. I'm just a bit mean, although some people spend hundreds of pounds, don't they? Uh, have you bought a Rain Mac today, says Lynn? Nope. It, but yesterday we were all right, weren't we? Did it rain yesterday? Did it rain yesterday? I think it might have rained overnight, but uh, apparently nothing at the moment. Been on steroids, Steve, since 1990. When the dosage changes, so does the mood. Uh, my son once stuck a note on the door which read, Caution, Mother on Increased Steroids. <laughs> it, 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 they, they do change your mood, don't they? You, you do find a lot of bodybuilders, unfortunately, taking steroids. It's, it's one of the amazing amount of illegal things which are available in gymnasiums. And in fact, there's more, more drugs going on in gymnasiums than anywhere else. You can always spot bodybuilders on steroids because they end up looking like triangles, you know, and they can't get their legs together because they're so pumped up with these things. I've, I've known people go on to steroids before and they buy them illegally. They inject them. And to be honest with you, the mood changes are unreal. I did have a friend years ago and his, his mood changes were terrible. Absolutely awful. And it's purely because, you, you know, you, you, you take a small problem and it builds up into, into a big problem. 
And that's that's when you get the uh, the problems, I'm afraid. Uh, Duke Street, Alex Rizzi, substation owned by the Duke of Westminster. Oh, he owns everything, doesn't he? He's just so rich, the Duke of Westminster, and so young and so good-looking. Must be quite nice, isn't it, to actually own all of this stuff when you go round and, and go, that's wonderful, isn't it? I like that. A lot of people talking about this film. I was Monty's double with, with John Mills. And uh, I must check out some other Robert Donat films, which we hadn't checked out before. Uh, thank you to Steve, who sent me more leaflets from the Bluebell Railway. Because I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of railways. I quite like the idea of getting on railways. And the good news is that David Beckham is a real man, not because of the pictures in the paper today of David in his pants... And, as I say, it's, it's, he said, I don't know what my mother's going to think about it. Well, of course, she knows what's behind the pants, David, so it doesn't, doesn't really make too much of a difference for us. I think they're the last person to be worried about. What would my mother think? She's probably thinking it's immensely sad that you're having to do this advert, whereas, in fact, you can't need the money now, can you? There must be a limit. So there must be some form of vanity that takes over. There must be some sort of a vanity that means that you want to stand there because perhaps you think you look great. You know, and I'm sure that most of your fans would probably agree as well. But we're just not too sure about the uh, about the sort of the the look of these photos. They look as though they've been doctored. Uh, that's all I can tell you. Uh, Steve, in New Addington, a pound shop. We have a 99p shop. Yes, well, well, ours is rough. I mean, it's only a penny away from it, so I don't suppose it makes any difference. The real that uh, the reason that David Beckham is a real man today, and he was eating pie and mash in an actual pie and mash shop. In London, looking a bit like a barrow boy, dressed barrow boy, because they don't look like that. He posted the snap on his Facebook page to the little unis and is in Waltham Abbey in North London. North London, a bit like South London. And, and he likes it there, but he had pie and mash. If he'd had eels, I'd have been slightly worried. Front pages of the uh, papers this morning. It's still Stephen Lawrence to a, a certain extent, and the pressure that's going to be on the police now to try and find the remaining members of the gang, and bring them to justice. Uh, Doreen Lawrence has opened her heart and her photo album to the Daily... And they've got lots of uh, Stephen when he was a young schoolboy. Daily Express, they say tonight's the night as the stars line up for Celebrity Big Brother, like nobody cares, I'm afraid, because there are no celebrities in it. That's the big disappointment. There's only one, I think, and that's an American mad... Uh, Caring Kate. This is Duchess of... She's out there, and she's got four charities now. So it's a little bit like Diana, except they're slightly different charities, one of them being the National Portrait Gallery. Uh, the Independent today, move over Sarah Lund, they say the next biggest thing for Denmark. And uh, they've also got the uh, two of Lawrence's killers are behind bars, but for other families of victims of racist attack, the wait for justice goes on. And they've got uh, the Scottish police still investigating uh, Stuart Singh Chokra. Uh, still nothing on that front there. Ricky Reel. Uh, whose body was found in the Thames, attacked and chased by a racist gang and disappeared. I wasn't sure if that one was based in um, in Kingston or not. Uh, Kamal Razabut, killed by a white gang to cries of Taliban, days after the 7th July bombings. And uh, Afoka Hudasi, found hanging from a tree, days after racist gangs threatened to kill him. There's obviously quite a back catalogue of uh, of these cases that need sorting out, and I suppose the police will be under immense pressure to try and get some results front page of the independent today the met chief vows to pursue the lawrence suspects they should not sleep easily he said here and the father of um, of stephen lawrence has called on the guilty men to turn informant and dobson and norris sentenced to only 15 and 14 years the reason that being is because they were charged as juveniles and not as adults if they'd been charged as adults it would have been 30 years 
And they've got uh, Doreen reading her statement to the police on the front of the Times. The only paper that, that doesn't run with that in a big way is The Sun this morning, who've decided for some inexplicable reason that uh, Sarah Harding uh, is of more interest to the British public. I'm not remotely interested in Sarah Harding at all, I'm afraid. Um, you know, if, if she's had some problems in a hotel with her then-boyfriend, that's for them to sort out. It's up to the Austrian police to decide whether or not uh, they take the prosecutions further. Uh, they had a bus stop. Over what? I have no idea and care precious little, I'm afraid. I'm just, I just don't think it's of any interest. It's a private matter. You know, if I walk out of here and go home and have an argument with, with the cat, that's between me and, and the cat. Not, I don't have a cat. I just wanted that on, on record that I don't have a cat and we don't argue. Well, if I had a cat, we probably would argue, but that was another story altogether, you know. I could argue over a cream cake later on, but that's it. I bet she's opened the box upstairs. I bet she's opened that box. Just got that feeling that she's had a quick look. But, um... Uh, the uh, the two houses you were talking about are just the fronts. They're in Leinster Terrace. Lein- is it Leinster? Leinster Terrace, which is opposite Craven Hill Garden. Thank you. I must go and see them. I keep meaning to look at these things. I'm not, I never get round to it. Apparently, I, and I've, I've talked about them for donkey's years. I keep thinking, well, I'm definitely going to go and see these. Definitely go and see them and then never get round to them. So perhaps we'll weave those in. I, th- I think what we might do in the extra podcast every day is we might put in a little London fact so it'll get you guessing. Because there's a lovely shop which I've mentioned before on the programme, and it's halfway down Regent Street on the left-hand side, coming up from Piccadilly Circus. And when you go in there, it's an ordinary shop, until you suddenly realise it looks a little bit different at the back. And it's because it used to be a cinema. And they've still got the cinema organ at the back of the shop. They've still got the cinema projection box. And they've got the, um, the sort of the steps which lead down, which would have formed part of the seating. And they've got the screen. And it's only, I mean, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't notice it unless you were specifically looking for it. I'll, I'll find out what the name of the shop is, because it's worth going in there just to have a look. It's, it's really one of those interesting things. So uh, we'll do the special podcast for you today. I shall try to omit mentioning Madonna's quote, who says, there's no such thing as perfect love. Well, I don't know, we've all had perfect love, I think. I think looking round, actually, on second thoughts, looking round here, there probably is no such thing as perfect love, depending on what perfect love is. But we, we've discovered loads of actresses this morning. We discovered who Anne Sheridan was, so that was good news for everybody. And Stephen Bridlington says Kathleen Harrison as Mrs Thursday, with Mr Hunter as her butler, was absolutely wonderful viewing. So thank you for all your texts and emails to steve at lbc.co.uk or 84850. We'll do it again tomorrow morning from 4 until 6.30. And uh, and if you go to the LBC website, you better check out all the uh, the podcasting. And don't forget the special free podcast, which will be up there by about eight o'clock this morning. Uh, don't forget, if you've got any questions, send them in to steve at lbc.co.uk. Be careful today. It's going to be another wet, windy one. Have yourself a nice day. It's LBC 97.3. Coming up next, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. With over 30 years' experience, you're safe and secure. Call us today on 0208 953 4575 or go to bqwatches.com. We'll send you a Royal Mail special delivery watch pack fully insured up to 